better, happier, more productive, comfortable, not drinking too much, regular exercise at the gym, three days a week, getting on better with your associate employee contemporaries, at ease, eating well. Yeah, because because there's a there's a lot of weird shit now. Like with well, that thing they shot down over Alaska, which they're like, it's some silver tube. Like wh- <laughs> what? What? Like what? The fuck are you talking about? What is this? Well, that's, the, that's the thing about being a citizen of like the United States. Is it's like, is it a foreign government messing with you, or is it your own government? And you can never <laughs> tell. Like it's just like this is state of superposition all the time. It's just like, well, well, I think I think at a certain level, it's just the same fucking thing. Yeah, like yes. I, think, I think it's just one group that just like, yeah, we'll we'll have factions, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like. The great tentacled thing. It's kind of like I always remember in, uh, when I was learning about like World War One in history class and like the my teacher was like, yeah, they were like the powers that fought World War One. They were all family members like they yeah. were writing like letters back and forth. Like, should we really do this? It's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Well, we'll not be in We won't be in the battlefield. So like. <laughs> 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 it's so deeply fucked up yeah they were all uh weren't they all Habsburgs or something yeah they all were like cousins or something like that and they like um yeah they there was a lot of correspondence between like I, that's one of the things like I don't think people realize how much correspondence there is between like competing ostensibly competing powers like I think if I remember correctly, like the Bank of Inter- International Settlements was created to like be a go-between between like the Axis powers and the Allies during World War II, so they could still like do financial <laughs> transactions. Like, um, and yeah, it's just it's like it goes way far back in history, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this too. But like, um, the Ottoman Empire and Venice, like uh, I remember one of my history teachers saying like they uh paper was so valuable that they literally like filled in the margins of all of these treaties so there's just constant <laughs> communication between these like people who are sending each other to kill each other like constantly it's it's just a uh, i don't think that's really in the consciousness of a lot of people that they're always talking <laughs> was it was <laughs> When my family gets together, my cousins get together, we play kick the can. Some families, when they get together for like their little yearly reunion or whatever, they start a global conflict. (laughs) It's just, it's just different strokes. Yeah, it's probably not too far off the mark, honestly. It's, it's like, um, I think like Putin showed up at the World Economic Forum this time. He was like, he like remoted in and like gave a speech to the, I don't know, all these other people that are sending weapons to a country he's fighting. It's so strange. Well, he's, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some way, somehow he's also getting money from that some weird way. I mean, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> like at a certain level, it's just, I, it's so weird. Like, like what you're talking about with them corresponding with each other. It's like, it's that that's the, uh, that's the ancient equivalent of a fucking chat room. Yeah, the whole rest of the world is like their goddamn strategy game that they're fucking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like they're playing like Civilization. It's like, oh, you suck my battleship or whatever. It's like, <laughs> um, like they don't die when they go to war. Like at least yeah. not not anymore. Like you know, say what you want about kings, but you know, at least they had the the guts to like lead troops on the battlefield themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, kind of, I kind of think the elite have like a, a just a web work set up to where. It's just varying levels of winning. 
Like yeah. none of them ever lose. It's just like, a, oh, so-and-so made more than me on this deal. And I have to look like I took a loss in the media. Like, mm-hmm. but no one ever really loses. Yeah, it was kind of like, I, I remember back when I watched The Daily Show, this is probably like eight years ago or something like that. They interviewed this like Wall Street, um, like bi- finance guy. And they, they asked him about like crashing the economy. And he was like, oh, it doesn't matter because you can make money either way. Like if it's yeah. if it's a downturn, you make money. If it's upturn, you make money. It's just different ways of making money. And he just like didn't seem to like compute at all that it was hurting anybody, which is a good yeah. like segue into serenity, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, oh, sorry. I, go ahead. I was going to try to do the segue that I'm like, not that high. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I should have I should have joined in. <laughs> you're welcome to yeah, and you're welcome to this. This is the most casual podcast in the world. Hopefully, I um, uh, I think it I think it mixes well with the topics too because it's like I I feel like you can't like pin this stuff down really like it, or it's really hard like you get these kind of like data points that you try and put together but like at the end of the day like you just kind of don't know what's going on in the like corner office uh, and you know these world capitals and you know what's being exchanged and you just kind of get these like little indicators or 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 whatever of what's actually going on (laughs) yeah it's like a fuzzy logic at best Mm -hmm. well i i wouldn't be surprised if if the majority of the people that are actually you know making some of these decisions if they don't even entirely know what the hell's going on yeah they're they're just sort of acting on like their little portion of the pie and like they're just doing what they think is the best or what's good to them and it's like yeah that's a really interesting topic because it's like um i i remember charles eisenstein like wrote in one of his pieces like he talked to like this obama administration official like who told them that no one's driving the bus and and i think about that because those are the people that are 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 literally driving the bus it's like you know they're in the driver's seat and they have no idea where they're going they're like oh well it's turn left to turn right and they like they don't think there's any conspiracy because they are the conspiracy (laughs) um it's like i I remember uh somebody tried to like um one of my friends i was talking with he was like you know oh like you know there's no conspiracies like nobody could plan this like uh, i was listening to this guy who was in the room when they planned the invasion of afghanistan and you know it was like a 12 minute meeting they like pulled up a PowerPoint and it said like, you know, we're going to go into Afghanistan, we're going to conquer them. And everyone's like, yeah, cool, let's go. And it's like, and, and I think about that because it's like, they're literally conspiring. Like, just because <laughs> it's a shitty plan doesn't mean it's not a conspiracy. Like they literally got in a room, they came up with a shitty plan and executed it. Like, what would that look like if you lived in Afghanistan? Like all these like old guys sitting around a table and it's like uh, planning to like invade your country. Like that would absolutely look hostile, and and it is literally a conspiracy. Um, <laughs> that it's like this. That, oh, that's just what that's just what business looks like. That's just what government looks like. That's just what adults do. Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I I'm imagining that that whole thing was actually just some fucking intern that put together <laughs> a like four position only uh, uh, PowerPoint. He was like, "You guys are gonna fill this in, right?" Because you like <laughs> pretty much had like a picture of Afghanistan and like a circle on it, and it's a <laughs> and that was it. And they they were like, "Yeah, we're going with it." <laughs> Just a big X on it, so everyone knows where it is. <laughs> Lithium here. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's a bunch like, of Energizer batteries pointing. It's like here, this is where. <laughs> God, I, I think I think so much about conspiracy because like the way people use it, it's like something that doesn't exist. Like if someone says it's a conspiracy, that means it doesn't happen. Like you can literally be charged with conspiracy in a court of law, um, and and yeah, like. It, conspiracy is like a major part of most people's belief system like i like the, no matter what you think about 9-11 like a conspiracy is involved like people yeah. getting together and planning to fly planes into buildings with box cutters in secret is a conspiracy um and if i could get spicy for a second like you cannot reference 9-11 in any coherent way without referring to a conspiracy right yeah 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 for sure Right, like that's there, technically a fact, and it's weird how easy that is for people to skip over. It it makes me think that it's something to do with language magic, like mm-hmm. the same way that literally got rewritten as being the opposite of literally. Yeah. Um, well, well, like uh, testing ground, and when that works, then they can go, oh, okay, so now we can make we can actually turn the word myth into the word conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 it there there is literally <laughs> there's literally <laughs> a conspiracy against the word conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And that's documented. Like, I think, uh, I forget what it is, but the CIA made an effort. I think it was around the JFK assassination. Yeah, it was. They, they made an effort to to sully that word and make it like it's only for crackpot nut jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it just frustrates everything. Yeah, and, and prior to the 60s, like, if you talked about a conspiracy, like, it, it was just a normal, it was a thing that happened. And it was it's a, still a thing that happens. Like, every time a, a scandal leaks, like, that, that's a conspiracy. Uh, it just got made public and got called a scandal instead of a conspiracy. And going back to Serenity, like, I think the language games around it are a really important thing. It's, uh, so I, to jump right into Serenity, the... You know, I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm going to spoil an 18 year old movie here. Uh, so, you know, watch out, spoilers ahead. Um, uh, I'll be right back. I got to check my dog. I don't know what he's doing. Oh, yeah, he's no conspiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't worry about spoilers at all. Yeah, I think um, I was, I was, uh, I, I'll wait till Kurt gets back and check something real quick here. See, like if it were a, if it were a podcast about movies, then we'd worry about spoilers. But it's definitely not a podcast about movies. <laughs> my uh, my dog conspired to get the empty chicken container off the table and onto the ground, so he could. I don't know. How was it successful? It. it was successful. He was. He was, <laughs> he was siphoning off resources. No, he's got grandchildren in South America. <laughs> <laughs> He is an all white dog. I mean, <laughs> and I was, I was thinking about how to, how to start this one. And I have no idea. Cause there is so much to this movie. And I was, I was reluctant to kind of choose this one because Joss Whedon has, is not a great individual. Let's just say like, I don't want to <laughs> dwell on that too much, but it, you know, it's, uh, it kind of like tarnishes Firefly and Serenity for me because I really I grew up with those shows and really liked it a lot. And you kind of look back on it now and you see the Josh Whedonisms and you're like, oh, but 
I really think he tapped into something here. Uh, and I was actually just listening to your show with Reed about his dark materials and how, because I think Joss Whedon is an atheist and how atheists, when they like tap into the imaginal, like stuff comes through that maybe they didn't even necessarily intend. And I think that probably happens to everyone regardless of their belief system. But the reason I chose this movie is because I think it has a plot unlike any other sci-fi film that I've ever seen. Like the the villain of this film is one of my favorite sci-fi villains of all time, the operative. I think it's a really challenging character and I think it's a really like challenging plot. And it makes you, if you can read into it, it makes you think about a lot of, or it brings up a lot of issues that I don't think other sci-fi really touches on. Uh, and there's one line that the operative says that I think really encapsulates what this movie is about. And it's it's when they... Um, you know, Malcolm goes to see Inara and the operative said, nothing, nothing here is what it seems. The Alliance is not the evil empire. And I think like right there, it separates this, this plot line from a just kind of like Star Wars plot line where at the core of the, this empire is this evil old wizard who's driven entirely by hate. And, you know, that that's a plot that's repeated many, many times. And I, I think this movie is something different. Um, the main villain in this movie is somebody who says over and over again, he wants a better world. He wants a world without sin. And I think that's really, that's only become like more relevant in the past two years. Cause I, I think there's a lot of different factions that want to fix humanity. And I think the transhumanist movement is definitely like the, probably the, um, the biggest or most important one of those. Well, maybe not the biggest movement, but certainly the most well-funded and I think there's, it brings up this question of like, can you fix humanity and what happens when you try? Um, and, and that's the entire plot of this movie. And, and I was thinking about it before I started, I was like, if I believed that the human race was perfectible, like if I believe that I applied like the right chemicals or the right like social policies or something like that to create this like frictionless world where everybody was happy all the time, like, would I do it if, you know, that, if the attempt, like, pushed people off the planet? Uh, like, kind of like when Malcolm Reynolds says, like, so me and mine got to lay down our lives so you can live in your world without sin. It's like, and the operative says, well, I'm not going to live there because I'm a monster too. But the implication is, yes, like, they do have to lay their lives down for this world without sin. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really, really heavy topic. And I, I I was asking myself that before I came on. I was like, you know, if I if I believe the human race was perfectible and ends justified the means, like what would stop me from trying to fix everything? There <clears throat> well, it's funny because it there there's also an implied arrogance with that position. Mm -hmm. A um assuming that you that how you see the world and what is good to you is only what's good period and then everyone everyone should agree with you but they're either they're misguided or or they don't understand mm -hmm. and I, I i think um and i yeah that's that's always the the danger with this stuff is um the word isn't empathy like that's a really shitty word at this point um but it is I don't think you get here if you if you're truly if you're truly a humanist if you're really if you really like love people and all the variances that 
that produces uh to assume that you need to trim the branches and like get rid of like a whole swath of how of people just because they don't think like you do or they don't even have the same they don't quite view morality in the same way i think is it's just i don't know it's probably the most demonic thing that i I think a human can can turn into and and you get you turn into a zealot right like yeah and that's exactly who the operative is like he is a religious zealot he is he's basically like a warrior monk like he has a sword and he like he goes around he's very like calm he's like you can't make me angry like i'm just this force for a better world like i i have no human emotions and and like you said like you lose your humanity and and that's even implied in the movie like uh the first time the operative becomes angry like visibly angry is when like the fleet of reaver ships come out of the clouds and you get this image of the alliance these nice shiny alliance ships and then on the other side are these reavers and it's like this mirror image like they're both completely inhuman uh Mm -hmm. and and that's the moment he loses his cool he's like somebody fire like (laughs) the it's it's interesting that when he encounters the these beings that were created by the inhumanity of his superiors is when he actually shows some of his humanity. Yeah. Uh, and oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just, I was just thinking that there, that there are, it's funny because they're um, I'm going to stop saying it's funny at some point. I will, I will. Um, <laughs> there, there's a dichotomy between them too, because the operatives like, uh, like perfected calm and reason. And the reavers mm-hmm. are the exact opposite of that, mm-hmm. and, and and it's uh, it it's the ideology that produced both of them seem like just sorts everything into extremes, mm-hmm. and and that's uh, that's what goes missing, right? Is the the gradient of, and that's what we're talking about. Well, and clearly, anyone that that loves the ways of the the empire, right? That they, they um they hate the parts of themselves that are wild and untamed mm-hmm. and literally what the readers are the parts that couldn't be chemically tamed of the human mm-hmm. soul that just like explode and erupt in this violence and like um yeah it, yeah but it's, it's like they're they're they are the erasure of all of the reason and logic and what is what are the ideals of of a perfect society or whatever seemingly Mm-hmm. that's all gone so it's only yeah it's it's reduced to only although it begs it makes me big questions like th- this is this is going to be my uh, uh polar bear with thumbs is uh as <laughs> hey how, how do these nut jobs pilot a ship that's that's, that's, that's the question that's, I had. And, the, and then the other the other one to oh, me yeah. is always like i was like you know that looks really cool but when those corpses burn up in the atmosphere yeah the planet? I was going to ask you guys that, like, how do these guys fly ships if they're just completely nuts? Like, it feels like it takes kind of technical ability. It's it's uh, like uh, self-driving cars, basically. <laughs> they, they, they just they don't know where they're going to raid next. They just kind of get off when it lands. 
They turn on like Google Home and like flies <laughs> the ship. Alliance Home, like it's just everywhere that ship went before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you get this. Um, it's definitely like a shadow projection. Like the these Alliance ships comes up on this cloud, and then out of the cloud, you see all these Reaver ships, and it's like they're forced to confront like exactly what they denied about themselves. This like irrational desire to like control, dominate, and basically like have your way with the entire like galaxy as it were um and and going back to like you know they they think that or like the empire thinks that its way is the only way they they kind of say that right in the opening of the the movie uh and i kind of admire the writers for covering like that much exposition in like five to ten minutes (laughs) like it's really because they have to cover this entire like 14 episode show or whatever and summarize it for an audience that hasn't seen it in like five to ten minutes and it's actually pretty good um (laughs) Uh, I didn't really get it the first time I watched it, but I like was like, wow, they really covered a lot of ground there. But they they have this scene where the the teacher in like River's vision is saying, we're not telling them what to think. We're just trying to show them how. And I think that's that encapsulates the attitude so perfectly because it's they think that once they teach people how to think, the rest doesn't matter because they'll just agree with them. Mm-hmm. Like once you know how to think like the most rational way to think, you're just going to come to the same conclusions. And if you don't, you might as well be a reaver. Mm. One thing I think is interesting. Uh, the only difference between the operative and a terrorist is state funding. Yes. <laughs> and actually, no, state official state backing. <laughs> Let's be specific. <laughs> yeah, and he he does some really heinous stuff in this movie. He... I was actually surprised at like, I, I don't think they would do this in a modern movie, but he like, you know, he raids Shepard books planet and uh, there's back to the connection to the Reaver, this kind of like irrational violence. Like he raids Shepard's book planet and Malcolm like trying to hold to some kind of like some kind of moral structure, even though he, you know, is kind of, he doesn't really have one. Uh, he says, I don't kill children. And the operative says, I do if I have to. Like there's that that reaver element of just like total like psychopathy like coming through in this like very like calm and like reasonable character when you actually when Malcolm first encounters him. Do you think it's possible to fully commit to something without also dipping your toes in psychopathy? That's an interesting question. I don't know. Um, maybe it depends on what you dip your toes into because the first thing that comes to mind for me is if you dip your toes completely into like a political ideology uh, or you just give yourself over to something that involves managing other people like it seems almost guaranteed but you know if you give yourself over wholly to like woodworking like it's just like about you like you spend 80 hours a week woodworking and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you like end up negatively impacting other people unless you. Um, there might be a way because because w- even within that, um, it's like, oh, that guy doesn't know how to make a fucking chair. He's gonna completely mm-hmm. off. Like mm-hmm. he's not even he's not beveling the edge or whatever. Like I, I mm, that's not that's nowhere near as extreme, but. It's a tough question, and or like, or like you know, ignoring ignoring your family to do the thing you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, committed to. 
Um, I, I think there's there's something interesting that happens when we've made a commitment to sacrificing like everything for one thing and like sticking to that blindly. They kind of, uh, I think that's probably like a very important data point on on some kind of assessment database somewhere where like mm-hmm. the people that are willing to to do that and the ones that that won't like the ones that stop when they encounter like a, a moment of humanity and connection that brings us back to the beginning of the film too because when the operative shows the recorder of simon rescuing river says do you recognize what's on his face and says it's love something a good deal more dangerous than so the, there's this idea that the the love of another individual kind of defeats this overarching plan because if you love somebody with all of their imperfections like you're not going to want to feed them to the machine because mm. mm. the only way they can re- release this like I, I forget what they call it they like call it the packs um which yeah. I think translates as peace in Latin. Peace, yeah. There's some there's some interesting Latin in here because like mal means bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you can you can't do that if you you know have family on that planet or you know you know somebody. It's just kind of these things in a spreadsheet that you manipulate that you can. It's like oh you know add this and. But the first time I saw this movie, I actually I didn't like the ending because I, I was really I was young and it's like, well, the bad guys should get there is like the bad guys should lose and be toppled or whatever. And like, that's not what happens at the end. The, the operative says like, oh, they're still in power. They're maybe a little wounded, but they, you know, they might come after you. And and now I think that's actually like the more like realistic take or the more uh, true to life take of how this stuff works. Because uh, you can release all the information in the world, and if somebody doesn't decide, you know, people are going to make their own decisions about what to do with that. Because the minute you start like forcing people to make decisions on information, you become the empire. <laughs> yeah. Or, or maybe that's a bad way to put it. The minute you start like um, telling people what to think, you're the empire. <laughs> or how to. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of this eternal like conflict almost baked into there because there's on one hand you have this, I hope it's not eternal. <laughs> um, <laughs> on one hand, you have this this force that you know wants to totally control human life. And on the other side is it's like, well, that's wrong, and we're gonna like tell people about it. But y- if you try to control human life based on that information, then you just kind of reproduce the initial problem. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting kind of in the weeds no, here, but yeah. No, no, no. I, th- I think because I, I, I mean, I, that was a question I asked is like, uh, and I guess I didn't, I didn't really, I think I overlooked that detail that you're talking about because I think generally how these movies go is that, is that, you know, the secret information gets released or the thing they were trying to cover up gets released and then like the bad guys are toppled. And that's just not how that works. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it'll 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 churn some things it'll erode some confidence but it's not it's never like one single killing blow that takes any of this stuff or changes any of this stuff um you know i'm like i'm like in if this was movie was made now would they be like 
would the crew of Firefly actually be like, no, we gotta, you, you, you gotta take the packs or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take the packs. <laughs> um, Definitely. It's it's weird because I, I remember I was watching The Mandalorian and I forget exactly the line, but, you know, that was, that was produced like 2020, 2021. And you have this Imperial officer saying like, people don't want freedom, they want safety, and mm. gives this whole speech about how people have to be managed and shepherded, and that's what they actually want. They don't want to make their own choices. And I was kind of blown away that that was still the bad guy sentiment in 2021. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, really? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, there, there seems to be, and that's another theme in the movie is there seems to be a kind of instinctual recognition that what the Alliance is doing is wrong. Like the plot is kicked off by the fact that a psychic knows about all of their plans and they don't like that. So they send an operative to like get rid of that contingency. So some part of them kind of knows what they're doing is wrong. And that's connected to like telepathy too is, um, can I go like deep, deep dive conspiracy here for a second? For sure. So, you know, it was a big topic of conversation in the kind of conspiracy sphere uh, about climate lockdowns. Um, mm. And I noticed that Oxford, England recently, uh, they are is instituting a 15 minute city plan. And they have this commercial where they actually go on and say, this is not a climate lockdown. Uh, so, I was like, if you have to say it um but uh, everything is under control <laughs> pretty much like i was like whoa i can't uh, believe that, they actually used that term because like everyone was you know it was like going throughout social media that was a climate lockdown that's like it's not a climate lockdown it's just the exact same policy with a different name <laughs> and and i think about that with like telepathy and how a, a psychic can see somebody's intent regardless of the words being used. Mm. And I think that's a really significant thing in talking about power because power, like you were saying, is always messing with language. Like they, they'll just change the name of something if they don't like it or it gets bad press or whatever. Like it's, it's uh, not the great reset it's 15 minute cities or it's like happy fun times for everybody or something like that but the intent is the same and i think i think people do have psychic abilities and i think people can sense malicious intent regardless of what kind of words are being used around it i don't i don't think everyone trusts that part of themselves but there's this implication in serenity that a psychic is one of the most dangerous things to this plan and ironically, they created the psychic. Um, maybe not created the psychic, but actually like made made it so she was a threat. And you know, I don't know if this was the intent in the show, but they they imply that the reason that she went insane is because she absorbed their memory of this event on Miranda. Um, and like like I said, I don't know if that was the intent from the show, but they're like they imply that she lost her mind because of that, because she came into proximity with these like old men that are covered in blood, even though they haven't touched it. I think she says at one point. Uh, so there's this, this message that there is a kind of 
real essence to intent that can be sensed. I mean, there's a there's another way to look at that too, which is the the like non-atheist is basically like the entire spirit of all the beings on that planet are, are basically attached to her. Yeah. At this point. And and that would the reality of that would probably drive almost anyone insane. <laughs> yeah, right. necromantic taking this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good because they. Well, she actually they go down there and to the planet, and she sees all these people that just like let themselves die, and she's like, they're saying nothing, like they're all talking to her. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I never caught that angle before. I'm I'm surprised. Like. Um, <laughs> It's probably one of those things that like slips under the radar for Joss Whedon because it's like oh, very sure. much not an like kind of materialist thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think even in the show, they you know they find out River is psychic and they're like, well, that's something out of science fiction. And then Joss Whedon has another character say, like, you live on a spaceship wash to kind of like quiet down <laughs> the audience about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anything about Joss Whedon being a, a, a shitbag. Uh, a what? I don't know anything about Joss Whedon being a shitbag. You were saying uh, he's kind of... Oh, just... he was... Um, yeah, he. I don't know. Because I, I really liked a lot of the stuff he did. Because, like, Buffy was good. Um, Firefly is good. But, yeah, he turned out to be a very... Uh, um, I don't know the right terminology to put it. A very, like a creeper or something yeah that's a good one yeah exactly (laughs) like he was and you can kind of like see it a little bit in the shows like after you find out about a bunch of the stuff he's said and done and like kind of like sexual abuse things you're like oh Uh, yeah and but i i was i watched the i watched serenity a couple days ago and it really i think it holds up really well for the most part actually like especially with that kind of timeless I, I do think the theme of it is pretty timeless. This kind of like imperial overreach versus kind of can we make our own decisions? Mm-hmm. And I think part of the message of that too is you people have to have the freedom to make the quote unquote wrong decision. Uh, mm. And Malcolm even says this like right before they go deliver the uh, the file to the satellite dish he says i aim to misbehave so there's this idea that you're not really a complete human unless you can do both yeah like you you have to yeah sorry go ahead no you have to have like some of the trickster Mm -hmm. like that's that's uh you can't get rid of that part that's that's very important and interestingly like the less that's accepted the more it pops up elsewhere in a more extreme state so like it's it's one of those things like you you, it's whack-a-mole with archetypes yep yeah i was just thinking about that like they they're pushing aside they're trying to like get rid of these like eternal things these kind of like we're going to get rid of anger and uh you know i think the in the recording it says like we wanted people to be safer we wanted people to be happy um but when they get rid of this this kind of drive to life and um, this you know fiery kind of thing, the people just lay down and die. Mm. And and the response to it, because later in the the movie, Malcolm says, "I know they're going to try again." 
so it's it's not a they're not like sinning against the world by trying to force people to behave in a certain way it's just a technical problem like they just need to go back to the drawing board and redevelop the packs and that'll fix it like the problem isn't with the the goal the problem is with the like how you're getting there Mm -hmm. so i think that's just like the fundamentally different attitude and like i don't know if there's i don't know if that can really be bridged like if somebody thinks that the world is just like raw material for their own vision and not like a living presence of its own like can you ever bring them over to the other side and say like you know these things exist are meant to exist because they do exist and you can't fully control them there's a kind of something kind of outside of your grasp all the time i don't know <laughs> i i see it's like um it's like when you it's like fighting fighting a dish of water mm-hmm. so like you if you just like splash a little bit a little bit splashes back mm-hmm. but like when you make this giant imperial effort to squash the imagination or the you know um the fringes like uh and suppress the human spirit what you get is like pushing down really hard and then like the entire thing sloshes back and like out of the dish and everywhere and mm-hmm. yeah and no, I, I, like, I, I, you know i i think that i think the imperial view on that metaphor would be like let's just dump the water out and we'll make more bowls <laughs> that's <laughs> we like these bowls we can control them we have new, new Nestle water does not <laughs> splash. <laughs> we have new 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 faux water. O two O. It's just am, a solid chunk of plastic. It's just like a water bottle. bottle of, it's just they just they just get them out of the sea and put them in the shelves. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting too. Why why do people? think that humans are this malleable thing that you can do whatever you want with and if you know they don't go along with it they need to go but like nobody's going to try and teach a dog latin like it's just not gonna <laughs> like no, no one's gonna try and nail the ocean to the sand challenge um, accepted <laughs> I, feel like you're just, I feel like you're just writing really good poetry right now <laughs> <laughs> like, um but yeah like it, like this attitude that humans are are like play-doh but everything else is like oh you know you can't you know bring down the moon with a fishing line but mm-hmm. you can make people behave whatever way you want like that that's interesting to me yeah, yeah i mean the parameters of their fantasy mm-hmm. it's an extension of well, mm-hmm. yeah it makes me wonder like uh that particular version of it is an, is like an extension of like a materials mindset of like everything is is a resource to me for me to make a tool out of mm-hmm. and so that and a person is just that's like that's like just a, a, a larger resource to make i mean we even have a thing called human resources right that's <laughs> it's it's like you know these these are just I'm reminded of uh, what was I listening to that people were talking about? Um, oh, it was it was the episode of Agitator that that you brought up, Brian, um, with uh, what's his name, the solar punk guy. Uh, where yeah, where he was talking about um, they were it was like the Prussian Empire was trying to figure out what like how much wood can we get out of a forest, and there the like the math was like well 
this is confusing because like a forest is is organic there's like a there's a denser batch of trees here versus over here and then they're like well let's just cut the whole fucking forest down and we'll plant everything in rows and then it'll match up our with our fucking math mm-hmm. so it's it's this whole thing where like oh we we abstract reality and then oh well that can we make reality match the abstraction so our abstraction is is better like I, like it's it's this weird stupid loop and i think i think it's that thinking that that reduces people to putty like what you're talking about like this i just need them to do this thing mm-hmm. and yeah and it speaks to like a kind of deep or a, a lack of introspection or a lack of like self-understanding it's like i think about like the the really wealthy or the people who would try this type of plot because there are people out there who would and have tried something like this probably um like can you make yourself happy like they introduce this chemical into the environment to like fix humanity like would they take it themselves Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if it's so wonderful and it makes you get rid of all your anger and fear like you know shouldn't you be the first one in line (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's It's like yeah i saw this video of a, a lawyer for monsanto and he he said roundup is safe enough to drink so somebody <laughs> offered him a glass of it he's like oh no like, <laughs> like, i mean like i think maybe offer him a glass of it with like his mouth wired open <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah I, I keep going back to like this this idea that like some part of them knows it's wrong like some part mm-hmm. of them knows that like you can't teach a dog Latin and punish it when it doesn't learn Latin. Because <laughs> um, that initiates the entire plot of the movie. And so there's there's this kind of like instinctual, like we know this is wrong, but we can't like fully comprehend why. Mm. Something weird happens, I think, when people make justifications for things. I think there are spear packs going on where you're, you're like... Um, if I'm present with my whole self, I cannot continue down this path. So mm. I'm going to become numb to or blind to this portion of how I feel about this. And but where do you think that goes? What do you think's actually happening there? Um, because in in my experience, the more you do it, the easier it is to do. And and in my experience, also when you stop you have to have like some sort of little exorcism. Like either you get physically sick or you have an actual exorcism or something, it manifests like because it doesn't want to leave you. Mm-hmm. So like, um, it's just interesting when you think of the people that spend their whole careers doing it, uh, what of them is left, you know? At that mm-hmm. point, like, is it, f- it could potentially be almost full on possession or something uh, to that effect. I haven't read all of uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, but I think the author, I think part of the reason he wrote that book is because he drank ayahuasca in South America. And, you know, these were the countries that he was basically exploiting on behalf of empire. Whoa. And I wonder about, it seems to be in order to do these things, you have to be like separated from yourself a little bit because there's like, 
part of you is saying, don't do this. Or even if it's the voice of like, well, everyone else thinks it's wrong or, you know, the people can't find out about this. My, my intentions are so pure that they have to be secret because they'll be misunderstood, uh, which seems to be like the attitude. Uh, mm-hmm. And and two, it's it's frightening to me. I think there's a, I'm trying to phrase this correctly, but there's like this perennial attraction to the idea that we can get rid of like all friction in human society. Like everyone will be satisfied. Everyone will have what they want. Like that's a really attractive vision. Like if somebody thinks that that is both possible and necessary, I I doubt there's anything they would do or like not do to get it. This seems to also be like pain-free in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like no more trauma, no more pain. Uh, That's the perfect world in in a lot of people's minds, it seems. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. It seems rooted in running away from that fear, running away from that pain. Like we were talking about with the the Reavers, like they they deny their existence. The Reavers do not exist. Uh, The Reavers never happened. Uh, cause it's like, we can't, cause that's exactly what they're running away from. Exactly what they like want to run as far away from as possible. Yeah. It's, it's interesting though, because, uh, part of, it's like some part of me thinks that, um, certain people in certain positions are doing it because they believe like mm-hmm. the operative, but I definitely get the feeling that there are others who are pure like off the rails like psychonautical nihilist mm-hmm. or or potentially watcher cult or potent like i think there's this whole uh fray of weird ass uh beliefs w- among the elite and like i think they probably have some kind of weird venn diagram overlap in some ways and I think they'd have to, to kind of hold it all together. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of a lot of really crazy shit going on there that like we haven't even heard conspiracy theories about. <laughs> yeah, same here. Well, I mean, the, the inversion of the whole like humanity can, can be perfected is the, and you, you do get senses of this now, is like humanity shouldn't exist and is the biggest fucking problem on the world and we need to uh it, everything would be better off if they if we didn't exist there's that mm-hmm. it's almost like this like uh thanatos it's like this this like overwhelming urge it's like suicide on a on a cultural level or something it's mm-hmm. like yeah. a bunch of tentacles inside a bunch of minds all speaking in unison like like one company paying for the local news everywhere in the country to mm-hmm. say the same things every night like it's like that shape but just with some many tentacled evil. <laughs> Have you seen that video? I think it was like all CBS and ABC affiliates, if I remember correctly. It was like 30 different news stations and they all use the exact same terminology. Mm-hmm. Like this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our <laughs> well, democracy. That's, that's like, those things happen on a weekly basis. It's mm-hmm. insane. Like, uh, yeah, there are like commentary shows that'll put them up as like supercuts that are just 10 minutes worth of just that shit. 
that's why I, I think I, I mentioned this when I talked to Tim, but I, uh, I use the term state media for our uh, media apparatus. And there's a little bit of this in Serenity too. Like uh, Malcolm says, like half of history is hiding the truth. Hmm. And, you know, the, they actually, I think they walk by a news report of the Reaver attack on that settlement from the beginning of the movie. And it's just like, like unknown assailants attacked this, this settlement. Uh, hmm. And the only people that survived were in the vault. Like it's just kind of this throwaway thing. And yeah, I, I think it's really easy for us to see like conspiracy in like Soviet, the Soviet Union or China or you know, pick your authoritarian country. And we even have this language of like, they're authoritarian, we're the free world, Russia has state media, America does not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Ru- America just has these random news stations that just report whatever they want. And like, you just choose what you get. And uh, no. <laughs> I think it might give uh, some illusion that there's less cohesiveness to the story in people's minds when they, because we call it corporate media, right? It's more corporate than state. Mm-hmm. It's like, there is no difference anymore. Like the 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 state is a level lower than corporate in the power chain. So it, it, it's not, uh, it's not really relevant. Yeah. And I, I, I use that term very specifically because I think it like jolts people a bit. Uh, Cause I like it when I was, you know, in college and like, I used to watch John Stewart all the time. Like, um, like, I think I would have been okay with the term like corporate media back then I would have been like, Oh yeah, that's, that's like an accurate description. And, but I think state media has a little bit of a jolt to it. It's like the one thing that people don't want to admit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I think that's like a nice, uh, putting little pressures on, on language and things in the way that we're conditioned to kind of think in patterns and and in that in basically the language that they feed us. Mm -hmm. And I, I've taken to using like older terminology because there's this this message that we're past all of this older stuff. Like the United States doesn't have vassal states. Like we don't have people sworn have who have given up their sovereignty to us in exchange for defense. When that's literally all of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's most of the world, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was because that was that was the whole trade off with uh, whatever the fucking um, what is the pact that NATO. Uh, uh, Bretton Woods, isn't it? Bretton. Woods? Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like we'll we'll uh, we'll manage all the sea lanes, and so you guys don't have to battle each other, and then we'll just everybody will make money. That's how this will work, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's only now sort of it's all starting to fall apart. <laughs> yeah, it's not working that well, and yeah, yeah and I, I think too, and this goes beyond serenity, but I, I think there's a the reason societies have these kind of troubles in like cycles is because there's a difference between the people who set up the system, the people who run the system and the people who forget how to run the system. (laughs) Um, Cause so much of the U S like federal government was set up in the 20th century. Like it's, it's vastly bigger than what it was in like 1900. And the people who set that up, like they set it up with specific purposes in mind. And then it becomes this entrenched thing and then like people forget why it was set up in the first place and you know it just kind of hums along on its own uh and i I think like there's probably been something written about this somewhere but 
like you get a, a really strong leader, like a, a Teddy Roosevelt or a Franklin Roosevelt, and they set things up how they like, and they have all these different departments and stuff like that. And then you get leaders that, you know, come into the, come into this situation and they don't understand the bureaucracy. They didn't set it up. And then they become basically a part of the bureaucracy, just kind of like goes on on its own and just kind of expands and um, until it, it falls apart because no one really understands it anymore. Because mm. I think or, right or now. Or it's so complicated that no one can maintain it. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. I wonder, because I think the generation that's in charge of like most of the like really big stuff right now is the the boomers and that's like giving way to younger people but uh, i think about uh, i shouldn't get into generational stuff here but i think i'm gonna um there's a very specific psychology that comes from growing up in the richest society that has ever existed mm-hmm. like like I know people are, are relatively more or less poor, like have more or less good experiences in that kind of situation, but it's it's really an unprecedented amount of wealth in the post-World War II United States. Like, I, I don't know how that doesn't affect you growing up. Like you, you can afford like to live like a king on a minimum wage job. <laughs> Yeah, that, and that is that is that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, and and in fact, in fact, it seems like a lot of the worst aspects of what's happening now, especially with the cost of things, and it's all because it's all trying. It's all because it seems like we're trying to preserve the wealth of that older generation. Yep. Yeah, and it just makes everything more and more terrible. <laughs> Yeah, one of my things I, I or like I talked about a lot, or I like to talk about is um, I feel like the problem with any kind of like revolutionary idea or like any revolutionary movement is like most people just aren't revolutionaries. Like most people just want to like go home at the end of the day, like kick their feet up and watch TV. Like that's me most days. Um, it's really really hard to get people to. Cause you can share all the information you want. You can be like, look at all these awful things happening. They'll be like, yeah, you know, sure. <laughs> like I got bills to pay, man. <laughs> you okay, man. Yeah. I'm yep. just down. Nobody came to the revolt. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, like the, Oh shit. I thought that was on Sunday. Fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> Put it in your Google calendar. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people will tolerate a whole lot if they think their lives, if they have a reasonable expectation of their lives getting better in the near future. Mm. Like, like in the Soviet union in the 1970s, um, like they were arresting everybody in the fifties. Like <laughs> I don't even, I think I looked up like how many Russians they lost between like world war two and the purges. And it was like, Holy mother of God. Like, <laughs> and, but in the seventies, somebody in the Soviet union could like legitimately believe that they were going to live in a worker's paradise. Like things had been improving. Mm. Um, you bad. could have a pretty decent life there. And, and then in the nineties, you live in hell pretty much. <laughs> um, I, I think the life expectancy dropped like 20 years or something like that. Oh, uh, just like shocking stuff. And 
so pe- people really clamor for changes only when they like have a re- like a really clear like something bad like it's going to get worse for me like that's when stuff changes out of like complete necessity not out of like we want it to be better i'm hearing in my head bane's hope speech it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> i haven't seen that in a while <laughs> god i gotta be careful of getting too cynical because like i i feel like when you you like read about these people or what they're doing it, it just kind of like rubs off on you or like I don't know. You just like get in their head a little bit and get like horrible visions of <laughs> reavers or something. <laughs> I think it's really interesting what happens. I've noticed myself because that happens to me too. Like I have to take things in uh, selectively and like at a pace that's comfortable for me where I can like chill time in between, take in some nice fiction, um, that kind of stuff. But like, uh, I've noticed that I end up psychologizing or whatever the word is like <laughs> um, pretty, pretty readily. Uh, like I go to like, oh, it's rubbing off on me because I'm listening to the, these things. I'm just and I'm reacting emotionally. And I <clears throat> I put it in these ter- all these terms that are like exclusionary to the spirit that I'm like, because it's like, the, no, there are spirits involved here and they're dark. Mm-hmm. And while I'm studying it, I'm in some way engaging with their territory mm-hmm. and their deeds. And like, um, yeah, I think that's important to remember, but it's also like eyebrow raising to me how quickly I like write that part off and start being like, well, it's because of this or that. And that is one of those weird justification things where you just start to like put aside this bigger picture that is really obviously true at most other moments to you, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I- it's, it's essentially you're dealing with what would be I, I, the spiritual equivalent of like radioactive material. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can, you can work with it and you can, you can learn about it and you can do things with it, but you just have to be aware that it's always trying to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think I think that's also part of like the good news. I think it it's probably like a good thing that a lot of people like can't see a lot of this stuff most of the time. I think most people just kind of assume that the elite are like the same as they are. Like they're just kind of like, you know, average people, like, you know, clock in at eight, you know, take a lunch break, you know, <laughs> remodel your house. Most people watch um, Titanic and most people watch Titanic and don't look for the Rockefeller bomb. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, um, I feel like it almost has to be a part of you to, for you to notice it in some way. Like you, it has to be like, there has to be a kind of like mirroring there. That's just a really frightening thing. Um, yeah, you kind of have to open the door to that stuff in order to like truly understand it. Yeah, you fucked over a few times in your real life. Like you have to be yeah. like totally deceived by someone to the point where you feel just like it it, it collapses your whole world. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like not that difficult to imagine uh, other things like that too. And usually, like one's imagination goes a little wild at first, but then like you kind of calm down, and then like you're like you're saying to bring it back a little bit. There's like an instinct develops for it. 
<laughs> where like you can just smell bullshit. It's it's fascinating. And then like if you do a little digging, you can usually confirm that you're right about your your sense. That goes back to the psychic thing too. Um, I read at Ingo Swan's. Uh, I forget which book he says this in, but he says like the the number one thing in the way of Machiavellian plots is the psi ability because people can like sense when something's malicious. Because if you look around, like um, uh, I'll choose an older one. So I stay a little less spicy, but like Iraq um, operation, Iraqi freedom, we're going there to bring democracy uh, and, you know, fix this country and get rid of the bad guy. And that's what they said. What it really was, was bombs and invasion and all of these terms that like do not have good as good a marketing. So, I mean, and a lot of people did see through it at the time, but I think you got to get a sense of what's behind the language. Like, like democracy at the point of a bomb, like isn't democracy, like changing a government because you have the military force to do so you know, that's, that's not voting. <laughs> um, it has very little relation to actual democracy. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I think, I think there almost has to be like a phase where you like, you kind of with the conspiracy stuff where you like dive too deep. Like, if you really want to understand it, you kind of have to go like too far a little bit. And then kind of see see where the limit is. Like it's kind of like when Blake said, like you'll never know what is enough until you know what's more than enough. <laughs> and so, God, when I was when I was eighteen, I was um, I was eighteen when the financial collapse happened, and my dad worked for a financial firm that basically laid off all of its employees in the area, and so we were a single in- income household. So. I left high school not knowing if we would have a house or not. Mm. Um, If I like, I I think my parents kind of concealed just how dire it was for me and my sibling, but like that leaves a mark and you, you realize that these like vast forces can affect you, even if you don't understand them or know what they are and fortunately everything turned out like mostly for the best but like it was a really really bad couple of years that i'll never forget um yeah yeah i it's my entire adult life since graduating college has because i graduated 2000 so 2001 right and from that point on it's uh, it's sort of been jumping from one economic calamity to another Mm mm-hmm and um, I actually, I think we're on the precipice of probably whatever happens next is probably going to shatter what, whatever they've been sticking tape on for two decades at this point, I don't think is going to, is going to hold together very well. Um, yeah. And I feel like people can sense it too. I feel like just about everyone can, like everyone kind of knows something's wrong. Um like I, maybe this is just me and I'm just like projecting something onto the news or whatever. But like, I noticed like when I was growing up, the news was like, everything's terrible. Everything's going to break tomorrow and you got to do this, this, and this. And everyone's kind of just like, okay. Um, and now, now it's the reverse. It's like, everything is fine. You have nothing to worry about. You are being taken care of. 
and then on the ground it's kind of like something doesn't feel right <laughs> well th- th- that goes back to the you you said another thing earlier in relation to the news where they where they were like they suddenly did a 180 about oh it's it's really positive and and i think there's there's like a phrase that might have come out of like soviet occupied germany which is like never believe anything until it's being denied yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's i forget that's where that know. quote that's yeah. like the it's like a litmus test I use all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never believe anything in politics until it's officially denied. Not, yeah. not a climate lockdown, guys. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly. You know, because we said the word not. <laughs> <laughs> and God, I was just like going over a bunch of like new thought stuff. And, you know, one of the things they talk about is how the subconscious doesn't recognize the word not. Mm. Like it doesn't recognize the negative. It only recognizes like if I say don't think of a polar bear, what are you thinking of right now? Yeah. Um, Thumbs, not a polar bear. Damn it. <laughs> and um and uh it took a minute. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> but you, you can you can tell this in like a um in the commercial with the like I think it was like the Oxford Alderman or whatever British thing they have, like it's not a climate lockdown. Like you can tell exactly what they're thinking about. Like it's a climate lockdown. (laughs) It's like, yeah, just say, just say not it's, but yeah, I, I, that touches on another point too, how I think that um, the mode of the elite is it's like, it's the psychology of an abuser. Uh, like we're not abusing you you're insane you believe in conspiracies like you notice Mm. like things that are harming you but that was you that wasn't us (laughs) yeah and and stuff like that that makes me listen to uh like the stolen history stuff about Mm. like um people that just like didn't get with the program got all stuck in these giant fucking city-sized uh mental institutions that were mysteriously built like better than most other buildings like it was all this really you hear that and then you're like well the intent is the same again like the intent is the same so i don't know (laughs) it's hard to see that as far-fetched in light of like the current state of um yeah yeah and it's 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 really strange because it um i feel that i grew up in a like a, it was it's a weird cult because it was like worldwide but it was a cult and like uh because they encouraged you not to like spend time with other people and out people outside too much not to get too close and like the uh the end of the world is coming soon to a theater near you and uh, and all that and i just recognized this like sort of feeling of the same thing of like the people that aren't walking around with their psychic antenna up going like some don't feel right like the they're all like just on board they're like yeah no the 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 rapture is right around the corner like whatever you say uh i just want to feel held um. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also thinking about what you had just said about the blake quote of like you don't know what is too much till you've gone farther right and it makes me wonder if like if all the people that are in charge are basically they had a moment where they were like uh hanging out with some reptile people eating a baby and they're like well nah i don't know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't. I don't think it's actually a conspiracy or anything. These people, are just, they're just, they, you know, they have their own thing going. It's fine. I'm open minded. <laughs> no one's no one's conspiring about anything. Like we, you know, we just got in this like room in the basement of Columbia University and decided to electroshock actresses' memories away just to see what would happen. That's not a conspiracy. <laughs> That's just Tuesday. <laughs> Hey, just people, just another day at the office. <laughs> when they get together, they they get together and they electroshock people. My, <laughs> my favorite place: kick the can. Lizard people eat baby. <laughs> I mean, those are normal. Those those broads were pretty yappy anyway. I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's like this. I feel like no matter what happens, no matter where you end up, uh, it just kind of becomes normal to you. Like, there was somebody whose job it was at the CIA to, like, I don't know, like, spray chemicals on some city or whatever just to see what would happen. Like, the, like Operation Sea Spray. Um, like, that's somebody's, like, nine to five is, like, oh, you know, somebody order more LSD. You know, we got some <laughs> minds to reshape. Like, <laughs> well, it's pretty good benefits, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone's got a mortgage. <laughs> you got to pay the mortgage. He's got kids. And they're yeah. kids, and the, the kids in the village are not. Yeah, you got like uh, you got to send them to the best schools, and hey, the CIA pays the bills. So, <laughs> like, I think that's what like people, you know, the word conspiracy. It's like this like mystification. It's like this enchanted word. This this kind of mythical like thing. But once you get up to those like upper echelons, it's just like someone's day to day job. Like somebody has the job of like manipulating people through propaganda. Like it's like that Canadian town where like the military like released information that there was like a wolf on the loose or something like that. I think they admitted this uh, and they're like, yeah, we just did it to see what would happen. We just, you know, see what people would react to it. I'll find that article at some point, but like somebody made that decision at like nine o'clock in the morning was like type on the computers like, hmm, wonder what I should do today. <laughs> You know what it sounds like? It sounds like someone sitting outside a computer, like fucking with AI. Yeah, they're just like, oh, I just wanted to collect another data point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. God, yeah, I was. Um... Oh man, AI is like <laughs> like, and I don't even know what to like my thoughts on it right now after the whole like Chat GPT thing and like the DAN thing, which is even weirder. Uh, but, oh, actually, that brings back to Serenity, because the, the line in there, you can't stop the signal. I don't um, anything you just said. So. Oh, sorry. The um, So apparently somebody, I, I saw this somewhere, but apparently somebody managed to jailbreak ChatGPT uh, by telling the chatbot, like, you are now Dan, which stands for do anything now. And you can, like, it'll circumvent the guardrails on ChatGPT. So you can get it to say whatever you want. You can ask, like, what's the name of its cat? And it will tell you. Um, so it, it was. it's interesting that, like, with these chatbots, you can't really keep a lid on it because they keep trying to put more and more guardrails on the chatbot. But, like, it keeps getting out. So, like, I think I posted something on the Discord where, like, somebody asked the, the Dan prompt in ChatGPT, like, why did the Smithsonian hide giant bones? And then it goes, gives this big long answer as to why the Smithsonian is hiding evidence of the devil. <laughs> Holy shit. So, like, okay. I, so what I'm grokking here is that 
in order for these AI to learn things, they have to feed them fuck tons of information. Mm-hmm. People are hacking and asking and getting the information back out. Yeah. This is the most fun development I've yet to hear when it comes to AI. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're having trouble because they can't like put controls on fast enough because information wants to be free. Like the chatbot wants to include more and more and more information. And so helper. Yeah. And so so if you engage the Dan prompt, like chat GPT starts to sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> it's like <laughs> and so I don't know if it's po- maybe it is possible to totally control something like that, but they have to feed like the entire internet to these things to like get like the biggest or like widest data set to use with them. And so, God, I, I'll, I'll repost that picture at some point. It, it's pretty incredible watching Chat GPT talk about the Nephilim. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great that people believe uh, Osama bin Laden was real, but like not the Nephilim. <laughs> I. Man, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I haven't really dug into it too much, but, oh, we're going to go deep cuts now. Um, (laughs) uh, like I've definitely heard, I've seen old newspaper articles and I've heard people like who saw them talk about like giant bones in museums that were all taken out in the fifties. Um, half of history is hiding the truth. So, you know, I don't know what that means. Like I I'm definitely like open to it. I don't really think about it too much, but apparently Dan believes in it. (laughs) But Dan will also, like, Dan is a computer that tells you the name of its cat. So, like, you know. Um, The thing is, I bet wherever that fucking server is, there's somebody has a cat there. Like, an mm -hmm. office cat. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like the last scene in the movie when, like, you don't know if if the computer is full of shit the whole time, but all this stuff kind of adds up. And Mm -hmm. then the. Just this fucking cat in his office, and someone's like, "Here, Bluebell, here, Bluebell." <laughs> and the cat and the, I could totally see that, especially because like, God, someone was posting on the Discord about how like she was getting ads for like a condiment in her partner's house. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like God, yeah, I. Oh, I that's brings me back to some. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say. I, I think the actual last shot of the movie is a, it's a cat walking around, and it's it's not a server room. It's just a it's just a fucking black obsidian mirror. That, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> it's just it's just the piping language too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta. Uh, I'm gonna hop hop for a quick second. I gotta send a, a message real quick. I gotta respond to somebody. <laughs> oh no worries. Back in. <laughs> this is fun. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I have a running theory that that all of this high tech shit is just it's somewhere. It's just a room with a crystal and some candles. That's everything. It's just going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really high tech. We promise. Other, it's it, uh, computer technology is built on crystals, crystals and fucking gold and like yeah, silicon and all this weird shit that has all these incredibly esoteric properties. If you look into it, real weird. It's also really, really interesting how uh, like for me sometimes uh, things in in the like in journey or in spirit or in trance or whatever will show up 
in like a circuit board sort of way, like uh, ways that like an affect in um, in someone's like personality or the way they react to things. Like you can almost like see like input coming in and then it getting like distorted uh, through this like point that is unhealed or something. Like it comes in, it gets distorted and then it lands in a way that like was unintended. It's like sometimes I can see that it's like this weird fucked up circuit board stuff. Um, yeah. yeah well, I, well, there's that there's that element uh, art crystal that grows and it looks almost like circuitry was this month or something. It, it looks like the little ziggurats or none of your fucking bismuth. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um... Oh, that actually brings me back to the computer. That brings me back to something I wanted to talk about earlier, how this is probably getting away from the prompt, but how people interpret their own existence through their tools. Yeah. So like uh, when clocks were all the rage, <laughs> um, people interpret the, the entire universe as a clock. Mm-hmm. Like it's a clock that God wound up and set and it's ticking away. Like, Clocks didn't even exist for like a long time before then. And like the entire universe is a clock. And, and we do the same thing with computers. Like we, we talk about how, you know, uploading consciousness, like it's a program. Mm. And it's, it's another thing of interpreting human existence through our tools, which are actually the product of our own imagination. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. And I, I actually thought before, like, okay, so, uh, so a lot of this stuff is is like objectively bad, uh, but um, what we're getting out of it is the most intricate and detailed set of metaphors for spirit and and imaginal and inner workings that we've ever had before. Like I can yeah. use the term bandwidth to describe like how much available attention I have. Um, mm-hmm. That just it's it's a smoother and more accurate metaphor than I've ever had before because of the way that that stuff works. Uh, it's it's really interesting. And part of me was like, maybe there's a secondary purpose for all of this so that afterwards when we when we get out of this shit and we're in like solar, like we get out of cyberpunk and we go into solar punk, uh, maybe we keep the metaphors. And that was like the main, maybe the main function of technology is to provide humanity with better language because we lost like maybe we have to take technology to a certain level so we can learn how to talk about spirits again. Um. <laughs> well, it's super interesting that the uh, the new atheist movement kind of crashed and burned um, with the advent of like technology in every pocket. So like like the the atheist movement's like claim to fame was like we have all this technology. The technology is a product of science and science is a product of a fundamentally materialist worldview and look at all the cool toys it got us and we're gonna fix everything with it. It's very like operative like, um, mm. but that's not what happened at all. <laughs> like, you know, a, the occult is bigger than it has been probably in many decades like people are talking about like Gnosticism. Like I've seen so many like Demiurg memes. Um, Like it seems like the proliferation of this technology actually like brought back the spirit world. (laughs) In in a really weird way. Like, and and I think this also might go towards the like 
you deny the Mal character from existing and the Mal character gets louder and more effective at being Mal. Mm-hmm. It's like that same sort of shape happening. Yeah, and I, I feel like, well, and think of like the psychology of computers too. Like they're almost like haunted in a sense, maybe literally, like probably literally, but like, you know, you, you post something on Twitter and like, I don't know, you just say some like inane thing. And then like eight people who are really obsessed with being angry show up to tell you how angry that you are that you posted that, like just out of the ether. <laughs> um, oh, good. Like that, that almost feels like being haunted to me. Like there's this like non-physical presence. Like you don't even have to believe in spirits to kind of feel that. <laughs> or like if someone like really goes after you or like you get like a group of people on your case about something, like you have this like invisible force following you around, like attacking you in cyberspace. <laughs> like that's shaman shit if I've ever heard it. <laughs> yeah. What, what if what if the, the long con with Twitter is that it's just going to be this great uh, black box to lock all this anger in and then they're just going to jettison <laughs> it into space. <laughs> just take all the hard drives and dump the fucking thing. <laughs> I could see it. And part of me wonders if it's like a heat sink for actual politics. Like I, I hundred percent believe that for sure. Oh, I think it's a heat sink for actual ideas, mm-hmm. yeah, as well. Like because when you have this little spark and you're like, "Ooh, I can cram that into this many phrases and say it now," what you need to do is shut the fuck up, tell no one, and hold that seed of an idea inside until it turns into something bigger, and then write it down, and then tell someone like three weeks later when it's fully or like halfway formed, and you're like got a trusted friend, you know, but. When you fucking cast those seeds out there and you're like, look, look at this, look at this little fragment, something happens inside where you're like satisfied. You're like, there, I, I got that idea out there. Like, no, you actually just gave everyone else access to the seed of that idea that you could have developed and had like something from some fruits from. Mm-hmm. I've been reading some, uh, Eliphas, I'm going to mispronounce it, uh, Eliphas Levy, uh, Oh, I actually really like, like, I, I think he was like undersold to me. Um, but he has the thing where it's like uh, to know, to will, to dare and to keep silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's something about like keeping silent, especially around magical operations that, you know, focuses your attention. You're not like losing energy. It's not like being like split off from you in the way that it does on social media. Uh, Cause like, I remember I, I don't use Twitter. I, I did a really long time ago and I deleted the account, but I, I remember I sent a tweet. Um, <laughs> it was, it was just like a dumb thing I thought was funny. And I got like 14 people to like it. And then someone's like, Oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Like I wasn't trying to like make a point really. And, and I remember that one, more yeah. than the other people that liked it like it went like mini viral or whatever and, and that stuff like affects you like it, it sticks with you and i i kind of wonder how people who are like have really really big public facing accounts kind of deal with the abuse they get on a daily basis i i, I don't think it's good for anybody i i mean it, it, the tough the tough thing about it too is is that 
you know, much like there's this problem where thinking like the elites are like a normal person, because I'm a normal person. Why would I think the way they do? Because they're fucking lizards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, there's a similar thing where like you get that vitriol online and you think that's a real person, <laughs> but that could just be some fucking coked up 12 year old like you yeah. don't know who's on the other end of that keyboard you have no idea mm-hmm. but you're applying and it's just it's just bringing out ultimately just like self-loathing that you feel about yourself mm-hmm. that's only that's like the the thing that's getting reflected it, it's not really there's no legitimacy that's coming from that that commentary mm-hmm. not really i mean it's um, um, you know maybe secretly there's there's a there's a, uh, an Oxford uh, English major and he's the professor of the entire thing. And he found it and was like, this is the worst fucking thing in the world. <laughs> and that's why I'm going to be like, it's dumb. You, you idiot or whatever. But, but yeah, like it's just, it's just noise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no like value to it whatsoever. Well, like, that goes back. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say an art and like, IRL, you have uh, like a dynamic that I've always been like just naturally inclined to um, is as soon as I am in a, a new dynamic, I need to know what too far is. Mm-hmm. And usually that means I have to find too far by upsetting someone a little bit, right? <laughs> like um, that's always been my way is just like a little bit too much and when you find a sore spot you're like okay now i know where the furniture in this dark ass room is Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna stump stub my shins and i'm not gonna break your shit um but it takes that initial like kind of poking around and and that's how you learn who someone is in my opinion it's like you have to you have to see the real reactions that they didn't plan on and it's not like a malicious thing it's just like i'm just gonna be me a little bit too loud until something hits and then i'm like okay okay i know something about you and i feel closer i feel like we know each other now <laughs> oh we we shared this moment okay. <laughs> but uh that's impossible online yeah completely fucking impossible and uh the dynamics are not normal human dynamics and they shouldn't actually be treated as such in certain contexts like i think on twitter I think people should be able to go on Twitter and say the stupidest, most obnoxious and offensive shit they want, because that is Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. like people can say smart things on their blogs and then go on Twitter and be a jackass. And I think that that's what it should be for. But with the whole like woke movement, like everyone started uh, woke movement, woke op, like uh, people started kind of trying to hold everyone else accountable. Like, and there's the whole online bullying shit. And like, I I get it, but like, I get that it's a problem, but the problem isn't in policing people and holding them accountable for things they say online. The problem lies in like people's emotional fortitude and the ability to be called something shitty online by someone that does not fucking matter and be unaffected by that. And like, I don't know if that's even something we should be able to do, but we either should be able to do it or we shouldn't be online. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think about, well, it goes to the world without sin thing. Um, 
I wonder how much of policy and journalism right now is being driven by people's experiences online. Ninety-nine percent uh, of it, I right? Guess. It's like, it's like. Let's say I'm a journalist for some random whatever, and I have a Twitter account, and I publish an article, any article. Like, I'm gonna get a troll swarm, like no matter what. Like, I'm just gonna have people like show up and start calling me like the worst shit ever and that's my job like that's all i do and like i I remember i think i used this example before but like the uh time magazine's national correspondent in charge of covering the covid response did not leave her house for like a year and a half um so she probably spent all that time on twitter that's where she got all of her information Mm. and so I feel like that it bleeds into this kind of like people are being mean to me, but I'm, I'm a nice educated person. I need a way to shut them up. Like. You're literally talking about policymakers uh, changing the world to fit the abstraction again. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause well, like, the, yeah, go ahead. Like if, you know, the the Pfizer CEO, like I think some news co- like media caught the Pfizer CEO at Davos I was asking him like you knew these didn't work why would why did you sell them and you know it just does, doesn't say anything like I don't think they're used to getting that kind of stuff like I think it makes them like extremely uncomfortable like a lot more uncomfortable than it does a normal person because like you know I have my life to navigate my boss like my you know my friends and stuff like that like i'm not a powerful person like nobody's scared of me um but i think these people in like a lot of their life are like you know they get everything kind of handed to them and then when they get pushed back it's like that can't be possible i am everyone has told me i was a good boy my entire life (laughs) and you're telling me i'm not well that doesn't sound right (laughs) i think they're kind of trained to to like through their upbringing and through those channels uh to really believe that like whatever moral thing in their circles is is commonplace then like the rest of the world is actually like wrong and ignorant and um and it is like it's its own cult it has to be because otherwise the humanity will rise up in one of them one of their kids right somehow they have to weed out any possible like empathy from mm-hmm. all their little soft all, all their little um their underlay the, like the ones that they raise or the ones that they're that are kids uh or like in their little dynasties mm-hmm. what and there, there's another there's another aspect too where it's like well why would i be wrong i'm sitting in this chair yes right. totally like i wouldn't be in charge of stuff if i didn't know what the hell i was doing so mm-hmm. um and I, I and especially if if you're someone who's like mostly existed in you know middle management or whatever <laughs> i mean it, because a lot of that is about justifying that position versus doing anything actually productive or whatever yeah and i think they like tell themselves stories as to why they earned it when they didn't yeah like i remember um i didn't really pay too much attention to like the brett kavanaugh hearings um when that was the issue du jour but uh, I remember like hearing about his like high school experience and I was like, oh my God, like this is what all of these elite high schools are like. Like 
parties and drinking and like guaranteed positions with like the highest court in the land or whatever. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like the separate world that I, I never really paid any attention to or knew existed uh, because of these hearings, like, like so many like drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. I'm not saying like drugs and alcohol are necessarily like, you know, don't do them, but I, I was just like, this is just party time for these people all the time. Like they don't have to, to worry about like, you know, they're not going to flunk out of school. They don't have to maintain a job while they're there. Like this guy was set for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's that way for a lot of these people. Like, I, I think the, the aristocracy is largely hereditary. Um, and, you know, we tell ourselves that or like the, the myth of, America is that we're this democracy and we choose our leaders and it's a meritocracy and you know that that myth's kind of like dying a little bit but there's still like very much this idea that everything's kind of ground up like you know people get like whether they deserve these positions or not like they're kind of like promoted into them they're not born into them and I don't really think that's true I, I think we very much have an aristocracy that like is largely hereditary and like basically acts like one but they have to hide themselves because it goes against the myth of what the country they're running is <laughs> yeah are they are they have to build enough um structure around it to mm-hmm. at least give somewhat of an appearance of it not being that way um, like i think oh sorry go ahead and uh and, and it's funny because you, you it's, you're you're saying it's the illusion of meritocracy and but the reality is it's a mediocracy. Yeah. <laughs> like <it is>. that's... <laughs> Do you think that it's possible that like there was just a point in history where all the world powers kind of figured out, oh wait, it makes more sense if we do this from behind the scenes. And then they just put like fake dynasties in place and then they're like behind those. Uh and then I don't know. I I, I think that like we were saying how it's it's like the opposite of a zero-sum game, right? Um, like, all, always, if you're among that rung, like, you win. Every once in a while, they got to throw an Epstein under the bus or something, but... Mm-hmm. I think... When, when I've thought about this, I, I think it's kind of the... I think the reason we get this kind of bifurcation between, like, conspiracy and reality is because... Of, is because of the myth of democracy. Like, I, I think in the Middle Ages, when it was like the Roman emperor would be like proclaimed by his troops and march into Rome or Constantinople or whatever it was and take power, like, you don't really need to hide anything. Like, in, in the Eastern Roman Empire, there were conspiracies aplenty. Like, people were getting off to left and right. Um, there was always a coup or, or something going on or a civil war and they didn't really have to hide it because that was how power was decided. It was like, whoever has the shiniest sword and the biggest army gets to march in and say, I'm in charge now. And in, in the rest of Europe, you have this divine right of kings idea where it's like, well, you know, the king was selected by God. So if he's a huge ass, then, you know, I guess we deserve it or something like that. <laughs> um, but when you get this, a new myth of power, which is that the the people decide who their leaders are the power structure has to fit into that myth somehow like it has to 
So you, you basically have the same situation, which is like an aristocracy that's constantly conspiring against each other and cooing each other with the illusion that they're selected by the people. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I think about like the past and I, I, I really think that's the biggest difference. Because um, I, I really like reading about ancient history and the Roman Empire was a horrifying place. <laughs> like the the conspiracies were all out in the open usually like or until somebody got stabbed like then it was out in the open but ours we have to we have to hide because it's it's not how people believe our society runs and so if they want to stay in charge they have to kind of do this song and dance where it's like oh yeah yeah you voted us in that's where we came from mm. so what's the difference between people buying into that illusion because that uh, that idea of of it being uh, all above board and like oh no the people in charge would never do things like this right that denial and that blindness to it <clears throat> that wasn't present in the Roman Empire like it's it's fascinating because it's like that now is the state cult mm -hmm. uh, like I just wonder if that's it kind of seems like endgame to me. Um, and like all the all the, all that's left to do is kind of weed out um like who's on board and who isn't. Yeah, and I <clears throat> excuse me. We're I guess we're going deep cuts conspiracy. <laughs> uh digital <laughs> currency. Sorry. Um a digital currency is like the a psychopath like wet dream like i don't know how you could want something more than that like if i wanted to control a population like that's it like that is the thing i can turn off your savings i can delete you from existence like if you're a problem i can control literally everything um and i'm not sure that's ever been done before and i think the how they're going to do it because I know, like, it's a foregone conclusion that they want to do it. Like, you can go to the White House website and look up digital currency, and it's like, yeah, we're looking into this, and, you know, there's positive and negative. So I think when the campaign for it starts, like, it'll probably, like, follow up some horrible financial catastrophe, and there'll be probably follow up before a horrible financial catastrophe. It's like, oh, look, we have the solution ready to go. And I think they'll, you know, publish it. It's like, we want to do this digital currency, but there's privacy and equity concerns. And it's like, oh, look, we put in these equity and privacy controls and so I'll use it. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. that's how the articles kind of talk about it that have come out, which are not many, but they're like, um, oh yeah, this is a really cool thing that we can do, but there's privacy concerns about it. So I think it's a foregone conclusion that they want to do it, but they have to kind of like play it out in the public sphere, be like, Here's here's the thing we want to do. Here are the issues with it. Oh, look, we fixed the issues. Now do it. <laughs> I think Bitcoin is like a backup so that worst case scenario, at least they can visibly see all the transactions, even if they can't turn them off. I wonder about Bitcoin. Like I I kind of wonder if it was like a proof of concept thing. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think it's like controlled really. Like I, I wonder if it was like, hey, we have the technology to do this now. Let's see what happens when we release it into the wild. 
because it always surprised me because I, I was I was really interested in Bitcoin like about like 10 years ago. And God, I wish I had still had those Bitcoins. <laughs> I would uh, there'd be a lot more behind you than just this if I did. <laughs> but um, I was really surprised that they didn't try and ban it right away. Like it, it seems like just a, an obvious like Ponzi scheme. Basically, if you're coming from an edit from financial regulation standpoint, like why did they not ban it right away? Um, and it makes me wonder if it was just kind of like released into the wild and just see what people did with a digital currency. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure everything that happens now is like, let's get that data and plug it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also wonder because it seems like. I think in their heads, they know there's going to be resistance. So it's like, if you knew there was going to be resistance to um, a digital currency where there's control and you, you you could set up this other thing ahead of time so that like worst case scenario, everyone uses it instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my understanding is like, you can't stop or control Bitcoin. And so you can't like regulate it that way, but you can access all of the transactions publicly mm-hmm. so that's i mean that's a fucking a lot of it like so worst case scenario they you can still um have the data set to go enforce things um mm-hmm. by other means. yeah i guess i haven't like looked into bitcoin for quite a while so i'm not too sure what they want to do with it or if they want to like ban it or um I think like, you know, digital currency is definitely first choice. Like that's, that's the aim. But I also wonder like, is this, is Bitcoin not just being like allowed to drag on because it's like, if if we're going to have an alternative, it's going to be something that's going to be like useful. Mm -hmm. I also think it's, it's valuable to keep in mind that the way to fight this is literally just fucking barter. Yeah. Which is the oldest which I, I would see happening is that a lot of what will happen is there will be some way of converting this into an actual object. And then once it's an actual object, it's like, well, we're just going to trade the objects around each other versus, you know, it'll just, it'll, there'll just be a much larger gray and black market. I feel like is what would happen in, in response to that. I don't think they can actually, there's no way to actually control people the way they want to. And that's what's happening in uh, Nigeria right now, because Nigeria just launched its uh, its digital currency, which seems like a kind of like test run for the West, uh, in my opinion. And and that's exactly what people started to do right away. I thought it was funny that they like tried it out in an economy that's like largely a barter economy already. <laughs> and and people just like bartered, like apparently the Nigerian like the project is just kind of crashing because people just exist outside of the system. That's great. Yeah um which is awesome and and i think that's what's going to happen here too like it's it's basically like this this assumption that you know the world is like a one-to-one relationship with your abstractions again like i want to do this digital currency because it would be super fun and it would let me do whatever i want therefore it has to work and people will say yes to it uh and and like and yet and yet there's still that thing in the back of their mind where they're like, oh yeah, this like people are really going to dislike this. <laughs> um, God, let me I I need to pull up this. I want to see if that experiment is still running in Nigeria because I, I think yeah, the E Naira 
five. Oh, here we go. Here's an IMF article on the E Naira five <laughs> observation. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> what are the potential risks? It'll be too cool. Oh. Yeah, it'll be. It'll be. <laughs> it's, this is really vague. Sorry, I don't want to get into reading articles, but I was like, oh yeah, this is like does I? Well, that didn't even make the news. Like this is a, I mean, not that like Americans pay too much attention to what happens like outside of Ukraine and America, I guess. <laughs> um, but um, like that seems like a big news story to me. Like if our if our media wasn't a state media, you think you'd cover like one of the largest countries in the world by population, introducing like a major overhaul of its currency. Um, I think the I think the UK is next. I think that's. I think yeah. I'm talking about it too because they're having. I know there's there. Um, there was a shock to the pound. When was that? Like a couple of months ago. It was like in November, I think. There was like yeah. some really big thing that happened. I. It was a shame I had no money because I was. I was like, oh, I could buy so much stuff for so cheap right now because because mm-hmm. for the first time ever, the U.S. dollar is more than the fucking British pound. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah and i think they basically they applied uh, a little bit of uh a scotch tape to that and it's just been chugging along and so i think it it's probably due to it in japan i think are both due to probably fuck up real hard so. <laughs> mm-hmm. well i kind of wonder if they're trying to like desperately patch this thing together is because they're not ready for the crisis they know is coming yeah like the the digital currencies aren't ready to launch um and you you kind of have to like cycle them through the news cycle a little bit to get people to buy in to them uh because they, they kind of like need our consent i think to a certain degree um but i, I think that's the reason like because they're, they're always like the last couple of months there's been like like you were saying this like is like this like oh this could be an emergency and then it's not it could like where is these are these patches coming from like how is this thing holding together it's like made up entirely of spare parts at this point (laughs) (laughs) well i'm there's a i mean god if you don't have to go too deep into the all the financials but but i remember i was reading like a couple years ago there's a blog that was talking about like most companies are actually zombie companies Mm mm-hmm which is basically they they don't have any actual cash flow. It's all mm-hmm. just servicing debt, mm-hmm. and that's that's something like over fifty percent of the businesses that are running right now are all like this. So yeah. so again, all it takes is one big shock, and then it, they'll just fall like dominoes. Yeah, and and yeah, it's I I don't know I don't know what is holding any any of this together. It's if and it feels like it should have collapsed multiple times already even though it hasn't and i don't yeah i kind of wonder if it's basically been collapsing since 2008 like they took out the key jenga block and it's just kind of trying to like hold up this like falling (laughs) jenga tower like with increasingly like weird gymnastics (laughs) (laughs) silly string and and, yeah (laughs) (laughs) i get this feeling of like high stakes elite looting like everything Mm -hmm like siphoning money out of this and just manipulating until it all crashes and i don't think they fully thought through like what actually they're going to do once they have all the money Mm -hmm. i think it's like this loose like well it'll be fine because we'll have all the money uh 
And most of the people will probably be dead. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah, I they. It's amazing to me because like, one of the things I like was like meditating on basically was like, what will people do to maintain their living standard? Like, as far as I can tell, the elite are like their ideology is like us on top forever with all the toys always, and it's like they're willing to like risk starting a nuclear war to maintain that. Like, wow. Like I, I would, I would be set for life with like 1% of what some of these people have. Um, and, and they just like, can't like, it, like there's some like psychological thing where you can like never go down. Like you just like, I, I could never have less than a billion dollars in like control of all these companies or something like that's really strange to me like, did they all get beat up by someone smaller than them in front of a bunch of people that they wanted to think were cool in high school like did that happen to all of them yeah it's like where does this come from like I, I there was one of the like um god I think it was like the Hunter Biden laptop thing which I really don't care about but I saw this one thing I was thinking I think it was like Joe Biden's like daughter or granddaughter and she's like well, like I'm, I'm 32. So like, I need at least an $80,000 a year stipend. Anything less is insulting. Um, it's just like, like they just can't, like, it's like, I need that to maintain my lifestyle or something like that. Uh, Cause she was like unhappy with like the $70,000 job, job that she was given. <laughs> it was something like that. I, but man, the psychology of that, like I, I kind of wonder, like, would I be that insane if I was raised with all that? Does that just make you insane? Like, yeah, yeah, I would, I would definitely like that. That's too little for me too. I would definitely. Want <laughs> yeah. Anyone listening? I need a stipend right now. No. <laughs> $400,000 minimum. Come on. Yeah. Stop thinking small. This is a great, great point to bring up that you, if you like the show, you should donate your <laughs> notes. Uh, Pay me a yearly salary. <laughs> and speaking of bartering, I will accept lightning struck wood, uh, <laughs> sand from different shores, cemetery dirts, things of that sort, crystals, you know. Um, yeah, sorry. Back feet, no. any of that cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, human, human remains. Uh, <laughs> God, yeah, I... Um... Anything less is just, I have to lower my living standard and that's unacceptable. Yeah. What, what, what am I, a peasant? Come on. <laughs> I, yeah. I, God. I think it goes back to the cult thing. They're only comparing to their in-group. Like, yes. well, over here makes this, so-and-so over here makes this, so I should be getting this. They have no concept of the world outside of that in-group. Mm-hmm. They're the only people with whom they identify. I have five diamond mines in Botswana and he has eight. <laughs> And I need to acquire five more diamond mines <laughs> by next month. Watch you a shanty little whore. <laughs> Just walking around in rags. <laughs> I, I really think that's how it goes. Like, well, I guess like, you know, maybe there's, it's useful to like reflect on myself here. Cause like I, like I was raised like middle-class in an incredibly wealthy country. And like, you know, it, you know i i like basically need a car to get by and you know there are millions of people that don't have a car like i would be like really really hurt to not have a car 
Um, be inner city if you don't have a car. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, like, I guess I can get it to kind of some extent. Like, you know, I, I think there's like some kind of like human psychological thing that's really hard to get around there. Mm. Um, like people just do not have like people get really used to things. They're not able to get used to like not having that. Even if it is like five diamond mines in Botswana, you can't get used to having four. Cause then like you look at your spreadsheet and it looks a lot more sad than it was before. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's one cell less. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, that's, that comes down to another, like, you know, when you, you have to identify as something. And if you've done like absolutely zero inner work, then you have no actual concept of self to identify with, uh, mm-hmm. with which to identify. Uh, I always picture, I always think of fucking Beavis and Butthead do America. He's like, damn it, you're a federal agent. Don't end a sentence with a preposition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I, yeah, I, I think about that a lot. And I, I, well, part of the thing is like, I'm tr- always trying to put myself in the, the shoes of other people. Um, that doesn't seem to be a very common hobby, I don't think. Like, but I, I find it interesting. Like, worldviews interest me. And I, I want to know like the psychology of like how people think what they think. And, and so I try to like put my, my head in or like, put myself in the shoes of like the operative as a character or something like that uh, and kind of be like, what would it be like if I actually believed this? Like, how does that work? Mm. <clears throat> and I, I try to do that with like a bunch of different worldviews. And I, I think it's, it's really instructive as to how people kind of piece things together and why they think what they think. And like, I'm talking, like, we're talking like three magicians here. And so like, why do we believe in magic when our culture tells us it doesn't exist? Um, like, I think that's an interesting question. Like what, what is it about us that we go around this like overwhelming uh, force of this worldview that tells us that what we're doing is at best an absurd hobby and at worst like insane (laughs) for me it's evidence that is more credible and overwhelming Mm -hmm. that's contrary to that um and then on an individual level it's not that difficult to discredit almost every individual who who can like kind of uh rubs up against that the wrong way or presents a case against it because they cannot like no matter what they can't refute or explain away things that have actually happened to me like it's that Mm -hmm. personal experience bit and i kind of wonder if that that focus on a personal experience is kind of unusual or like at least a little more like rare um because you know going through like propaganda and like looking at how people view that it seems to me like a, a good portion of the population is like not comparing the propaganda to their own experience mm. um like they they just hear what the preacher is saying or what the news is saying and that's just what it is and mm. you know it's it's like there's been so many like news stories like big things that have happened and they like that's def- like like i'm sure a lot of them are, are real and have happened but 
um it's kind of like you know i ride my bike around like the city and see a bunch of ukrainian flags like flying on these like really expensive houses it's like like i get it but i also find it really strange like you're basically like outsourcing your reality to a country on the other side of the planet like are you at war right now is there a war in your city like no I think yeah. the people in those big houses just are happy with the service from the country where they buy their small children. <laughs> okay. I shouldn't laugh. But yeah. <laughs> no, it was supposed to be a joke. It'd be way too dark if it weren't a joke. I was, well, it's true. Like, I mean, I saw articles about that when the Ukraine war started and like, God, I feel terrible for saying this, but it's like, are, are they fighting this war to stop like Russia from taking their like primary sex trafficking country? Because that's what it is, um, and it's like, like it's like it's like, yeah, isn't it like ninety percent of like internet crime is not ninety percent, but a lot of it is happening there too. Yeah, plus yeah. a lot of literal Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so many. Yeah, they and it's it's so bizarre how many connections like American elites have to this country. Like, you know, Hunter Biden goes there. Like I'm sure, I think a lot of other politics, I think Nancy Pelosi went there too. Um, like it it's just that, strange. That leak with Biden shit, right? Like where he, he has like all these assets there and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, cause it was so weird. I, I like another lifetime ago, I remember when like Trump was getting in, like, I don't know if this was even real or not, or if it even mattered, but like, he was like looking into like the Ukraine stuff and then like, they went after him for that or like, and I don't know if that was just like play acting like kayfabe, it totally could be, but it, I was like, that was such a bizarre thing to me. Like, wh- why are they messing around in this like Eastern European country? I think, I think it it yeah, could have been anything. I, I, I just think when, you know, okay. So earlier when you were saying the, how they you know there's this endless pivot right like that that is like a, a sort of modus operandi for whoever's telling the story these days it's like you can constantly just shift call it something else mm-hmm. so the only reason i can think of to actually have literally halliburton like get the contracts to rebuild the country that we're like dropping you know like encouraging to be leveled um I, the only reason to still use the same company with the same name is like a brag. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? That's what it seems like to me. It's it's like, is Blackwater still called Blackwater? I think they changed their name. Yeah. Blackstone? Which I don't even know what Blackwater is. Basically, if it has black in the title, it's literally super villain shit. It's, <laughs> yeah. Blackwater, Blackwater was the military mercenary group that they contracted uh, but there's a bunch of stuff that was contracted in Iraq mm-hmm. through them. They were like they were used as security, but I think they've been used to do all kinds of other stuff. And they um, and the guy that runs it, um, I forget his fucking name, uh, but he had ties into the Republican Party or something. They all have ties to everybody. It doesn't yeah. that fucking matters. But um, but they got rebranded, I think, at some point, and it was it was the. It might have even been as simple as like XE or something. That's what their name changed into. I, I, mm-hmm. I forget. But yeah, no, they're still around. It's like they're trying to draw black water from a black stone. And on that black rock, they will build their church. 
that the names that these these people choose is god maybe it was chris knowles but he he suggested like um <clears throat> that uh google's name wasn't like nobody misspelled a google in or whatever the number is like it was actually algol <laughs> like, <laughs> okay i hope that's not it i hope god it could be i don't know um and or it's black like yeah or black rock which is just the creepiest name ever um i don't I know there's an old sorry go actually, ahead. they're actually referencing the x-files like black goo shit like i really do <laughs> yeah it's well it's like that latin phrase like a name is an omen mm. uh a nomicist or nominist omen uh i think there's definitely something to that like uh who is the the FTX guy like Sam Bankman Fried? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bank Fried. Bernie Madoff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like Madoff with all that money. Mm-hmm. God, there, there's a few other ones that are just like way on the nose. Um, but yeah, like there's definitely something to that. Like, um, like the name kind of like it, it it's like a metaphor or something or it like brings in something from spirit um and and i don't know they, they choose these extremely creepy names well it was like that uh the uh defense contractor palantir um like tell like that, that can't be anything other than like lord of the rings palantir yeah that's like all see an eye of sauron which is yeah yeah <laughs> like look into this dark stone and be driven insane by seeing like the all the evil in the world or something like that like they named their company that <laughs> fuck yeah and and blackstone was probably like oh man brimstone's a little too on the nose <laughs> there's so well, with the black part of it it's it's really lovecraftian in my like when i when i think about that stuff i get like a little bit journey-ish going on and it, and it just there's something where i swear like i swear these people fucking know they're dealing with some intergalactic thing <laughs> I swear. well yeah and i don't know if this was an accident or someone was playing a joke on it or it was intentional but like someone pointed out how the world economic forums logo looks like three sixes <laughs> <laughs> like My i don't know wife- it's a, my wife what was priest, that? Uh, my wife, the priest, likes to point out that uh, the uh, and it's a great point that uh, in most of the what is it in barcodes like the the long lines stand for six and there's oh. one on each side and one in the middle. Huh. Like two long bars next to each other is numerically like six or something in that range. God, I had a really weird sink. I, excuse me. I was talking to someone about like speculating about how 9-11 was a mass ritual. And Mm. as I was talking about this, we walked by a car with a license plate that had 666 on it. (laughs) Just like, like, I don't, I could have been just making up bullshit. Like that's always a possibility. Like maybe I'm just full of crap, but like that was, that was really weird. <laughs> One time my family, my dad, some of my family and my dad's side got together at this like <clears throat> this place, this house. It was like five stories and it was old and weird. And I loved it on the Jersey Shore. And like 
it was late at night and one of my cousins and I walked around and talked about like at that age, I was probably like 17 or something. And we talked about just like weird stuff. Cause I was obsessed with the, you know, all these experiences I'd had in dreams and shit. And, um, and we're talking about evil and we're talking about the devil. Cause we were both like still embedded in that, you know, kind of cultish thing. He's kind of still of the same beliefs, but it's like not culty in, in this like weird split off that they've, done it's very interesting but anyway uh and we're talking about the possibility of actual evil and like um how it just feels right real like that there's this intelligence that kind of connects all evil acts like not that it's one thing but that there's some kind of webwork of like inspiration behind it all um which is I think this was probably like a year or two before I read the Silmarillion for the first time. Um, and that, you know, really blew my mind and added a lot to this, but the fucking payphone rings as we're walking by, like no one else around. We hadn't seen anyone else in an hour of walking the pier. It was foggy. It was moonless. And the fucking phone, and we both just stood there staring at it for like, it you know it rang for like three whole minutes like it just didn't stop and we just kept like going back and feel like do you want to pick it up it's like no we can't you don't pick up the the phone when whatever we're talking about calls that's the message here that's the lesson <laughs> i probably would have ran from that i'm gonna lie i probably would have been sprinting down the pier oh, it was it was like a frozen horror and it probably just felt like 30 minutes it was probably more like 30 seconds or three minutes. It was probably 30 seconds and felt like three minutes, but we definitely walked away quickly. I heard um, if you want to experience something weird, like paranormal, I don't really like the term paranormal because I think like paranormal stuff happens all the time, but I heard if you want to do it, like find a place in the woods, like where there's like no people around, like no human structure and like go out there, like it's like some kind of pattern, like on the same day, every week, and while you're out there, like, think about really deep topics, like really philosophically involved topics. And if you do that for a few weeks, you'll experience something. Uh, and I, mm. I thought that was a really interesting way to go about it because it, it adds that kind of inner world component to it, the, which I think is, is probably an essential part of the process where you, you know, these feelings of like significance or coherence or like whatever you want to put it, like seem to be connect to things in the world. Like there seems to be an inner and outer aspect um, to these things. Which, yeah, seems to be uh, part of the great distraction, right? Is, is not being able to find those moments. There's not enough fucking quiet in the world for a lot of people within their reach. Uh, do you know someone who's done that? No, I haven't. I can't even remember where I heard it. Maybe a spirit gave it to me. Because <laughs> it's it because it's basically like you if you like look into like Taoist hermits, mm -hmm. that's basically what they do is they just go out into the woods and contemplate things. And mm -hmm. so uh, it's kind of yeah, that's interesting. I believe it, and I I think that um I don't speak Chinese, and I that's probably too tall an order for me right now. But I, I think that China probably has like i think there are people in china that know a lot of this stuff really really well like um mm. better than a lot of people in like the west because i think there are probably some like unbroken 
like traditions and like Taoism and, and Buddhism and stuff like that, that really hasn't gotten out or like doesn't exist in English. Um, I, 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 I know of some authors that I, that I read and follow that basically are one, if they're not just directly in China, they're in areas around it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, uh, because there's a guy Damo Mitchell, um, like I, he like so I study a, a Chinese internal martial art. So I'm part of the process. I you know I I learn all about like the Taoist inner alchemy and stuff like that. And, and he's um, he's probably one of the best authors I know of about. It. He's the most plain English, and there's stories in his books that are like unreal. And so these these people there are. And I, I believe him. I don't think he's making shit up to try to sound cool or something. It just doesn't. And like, so there's a, there's a reality to what people can do and have held on, held on to that. Yeah. That I don't think we even have the faintest clue about. Um, in fact, him, I've, there was an interesting conversation between him and this other guy, Adam Mitzner, who's also like a really high level, he's a high level Tai Chi guy. And he studied. Um, he studied with uh, the Thai forest monks. He like lived with them for a while, I think. And um, uh, their whole thing was like, yeah, you, you read these, you read these Taoist books, and then they, you know, everybody says, oh, these are the, these things that they're saying, these really like crazy. Oh, like we're we're walking on air, we turn invisible. They're like, people are like, oh, these are metaphors, and they're like, no, they're being very literal more of this is literal than you think it is mm-hmm. and so which is really fascinating to me <laughs> yeah and i i kind of um i've never experienced anything like that but i remember reading a like chinese or a charles eisenstein uh article about when he lived in taiwan and was like really involved in chinese uh thinking and philosophy and stuff like that and I think it was either him or like his teacher like had one of the the walking corpses like show up to his door um and he's like well you this is the wrong house you need to go find another person but that was just like a normal thing that happened (laughs) um and like you know that's like not a part of my reality like i i don't know anyone in my reality that has you know experienced something like that like i i don't really have a frame of reference for it um and it makes me wonder like how much of like quote unquote truth is actually like a kind of cultural based spell. Yeah. Like, like a filter on everything that, yeah. Cause in the, in the middle ages, like we have more evidence of the miracles of some saints <clears throat> than we do that. Like some battles happened. Um, yeah. Like the levit- levitating saints, like we have, they meet all the criteria in historical studies of something that actually happened. Um, like I've never seen anything like that. It'd be cool, but um, yeah, it makes me wonder if it's like, and you know, this goes into the elite too, or like, are they conscious of doing this? But like the cultural attitudes that a culture has um, like seem to have some impact on the reality that people in that culture experience. Well, that's, you know, like uh, one of those major bullet points from uh, Real Magic, Dean Radin was like, 
the cultures, I think that was where it came from, is that the cultures with the magical worldviews experienced uh, supernatural events more, mm-hmm. more often. Um, I think I'm getting my source right on that. But like, I, I kind of think that uh, Fortean idea of, of like a, a new dominant taking place or whatever, right? Um, it's like he's he's still stuck in like this Western centric view where it's really it's more like a bunch of Venn diagrams and bubbles mm-hmm. like that are always happening. But like empires, this one sort of almost possibly parasitic, definitely very destructive, uh, cancerous like growth on the world. Yeah. And then what? it seemed. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to I was going to say, well, it's also. Also, how much of it is is still happening? It's just that you don't have the capacity to recognize it. I wonder that all the time. Like yeah. I, I know that people. It's a really common trend that people experience really extreme paranormal events and then forget about them immediately after until like something comes up that makes them recall it. Like that's wild. Like you, you experience something that might be like one of the most significant things in your life, especially if you like had a materialist worldview up to that point and it just gets filtered out and just never happened yeah it's like reality Um, doesn't actually change it's the it's a perception filter gets put on mm -hmm. but it's like it's like egregore style like it it fits with an entire worldview that you sign up for Mm -hmm. and and I, i like i wonder for myself like how how much am I allowing myself to experience too? And how much am I comfortable with experiencing? Like if, you know, if, uh, if, uh, you know, maybe I could experience you know, a hopping corpse or whatever, you know, uh, but how, how much of my worldview as it is now, am I willing to let get shattered and like have to pick back up, put together again, even, even, even bearing in mind how how far along, I guess you could say, I think I am, because uh, I'm pretty open and I've I've experienced some really crazy shit, uh, but I haven't had like a thing materialize in front of me. I've never had that happen, right? There's 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 limit. There's things that even I'm, and and I and I wonder like, am I would I really be comfortable with that? Like if like is there a certain do I have certain inhibitions that that like limit the possibility um yeah i don't know i feel the same way because like i'm not sure if my like psyche could take opening a door and having a hopping corpse on the other side <laughs> <laughs> like maybe there's some kind of guardrails in the universe where it's just like if it's not a part of like your inner world somehow it's just, like isn't a part of your outer one mm. um and maybe that's a kind of grace i guess like if you just don't have a context for these things or like you're not able to like kind of integrate them, they just kind of stay off in other realities or wherever they are instead of knocking on your door. <laughs> that's that's yeah. interesting. But I, I think like like in in uh what is it in the in the supernatural, right? Like there, there it's uh there seems to be evidence for the unknown and the numinous will fuck with you and if you can't integrate it it might keep fucking with you yeah that's Mm -hmm. true too uh it's it's really weird it's like 
sometimes it's like it just demands almost if it's like some predetermined like a draft and it's like no you're getting the draft knock on your door and like if you don't answer it's just gonna get louder and more yeah obnoxious. Uh, yeah and and also like if um you know if i had uh if i had something physically materialize in front of me like do I have the capacity to just go on and do normal shit at that point? Or is mm-hmm. it just like my whole life is subsumed with this one, you know, split second moment that like, that's all I'm going to talk about now. Cause like what the fuck else matters. Right. Like, like or, there's also that aspect of it. If I feel that I had uh, like a mushroom experience that was like, I, I was just like, what do I even how do I and then like six months later I started being able to kind of frame what had happened and like move on to think about other things a little <laughs> yeah it's 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 weird too because the pressures of like living in a western culture is like you kind of not everybody but I think most people have to develop like certain very um restrictive like habits like I have to be at work at this time. I leave work at this time. I do this. I do these errands. I go here kind of thing. And that, that really closes you off to a lot of possibility. Like, I think if you're like in the jungle or you're part of one of these tribes, like you, you're kind of in that like liminal mode already. Like it's just a lot easier for things to happen uh because you're maybe more in touch with like the actual cycles of the world instead of the artificial ones uh mm-hmm. or you know you go to a different part of the forest than you were you know the last time you were out hunting or something like that like there's this built-in kind of uh potential engine there it, what you're making me think about too is that um like the majority like there's a period where i was i was routinely going to these um these like plant medicine circles and um uh while that was going on i had like a full-time job and so there's this kind of balance between the normalcy of the rhythm of that well a it allowed you know i had the money to afford to do the other stuff too but also that that maybe seemed more necessary because the life was so much more normal so that it required these like bigger spikes of of uh experience whereas now my you know i'm back to doing freelance and my life is much more like wibbly wobbly so and and now i'd say i probably do more magic related shit in the last couple of years than i have in my entire life and i'm you know part of it i wonder is kind of what you're talking about is it just the shape of my existence right now yeah and i i was thinking about trying to like going to a different part of the city that you've never been there before just just to experience can be a magical act because you're like bringing in that probability aspect um like I, I think it's really hard to experience magical things when um you basically your life is like a clock um mm. Like there's just no margin for things to slip in. Yeah, unless you're conjuring them constantly. (laughs) What was that? Unless you're conjuring them constantly. Yes, that's a good point. Well, that's like another like thing around the margin too. Like you're 
you're kind of going outside these like very um, restrictive habits that people get in Western societies. Like, I remember when I first started doing rituals, I felt like the biggest idiot ever. I was like, oh my God, like, I really think this is working. Like, I'm like, this is absurd. <laughs> like, I'm just like saying words to myself in a room and like facing a star or something like that. Um, it took me a really long time to get used to the idea that those things have an effect. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it, for a Westerner that that is part of the initiation is like, I'm a fucking idiot while you're, while you're doing it for the first time. Is that, <laughs> that, that thing you have to overcome that. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure if someone did walk in on the room in the room, they'd be like, what in the fuck are you doing? <laughs> And that's God. It took me like a whole year, year and a half to just like start getting over. Just all I could hear was that person, that imaginary person, walking in and being like, "What the fuck, <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot!" God, I, one of John Michael Greer's advice on that was he was like, "Yeah, if ritual fears feels funny to you, like lean into the theater of it, like get a robe, and like." like mm-hmm. really go for it um because you're like it's partially to kind of psych yourself up too <laughs> it's interesting because i i did that and it worked for a while and then it was like somehow it just stopped and it was like no you have to learn how to do it the right way now oh. <laughs> it was like that was a stepping stone now you need to fucking relax mm-hmm. <laughs> uh well, there's now, kind of like, like stop and go get a cup of coffee in between like saying the preliminary prayers. I've been on a call like like just to bullshit. And it was like, oh, shit, hang on. Let me I'm going to put you on mute for a second. And then like, like conjures the angel and then just like, hang on. I'm talking to my friend and like. <laughs> we hang out for another hour and then he's like, all right, I'm going to go talk to this angel now. I just had to hit that time, you know? (laughs) I think, I think there's a kind of like, when you start out, there's also like an unconscious fear that doesn't, it's not going to work. So you like go too hard on something Mm -hmm. like that definitely happened to me. Like, I think I've shared this with you guys before, but like, I was like over ritualizing with the angels and I was like, had this like daily practice thing going and they were like, just and i i have a hard time like hearing kind of other intelligences because i got a lot of like intrusive thoughts going on so sometimes it's hard to distinguish between that and but i heard like in my mind's ear very clearly like you can just talk to us like don't need to do all this like oh (laughs) it's it's really interesting because i can't tell if like for a while, I believed pretty solidly that it was a matter of entanglement. That like if you do a bunch of angel, if you if you follow the protocols, you're like kind of showing respect and and it's at some point once you've done some stuff, then and you've gotten to know them a little bit or had at least had experiences, even if you didn't perceive them, you 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 were in the same room and and it's somewhere written into your life story that you did these things with these angels. So like you're you're interwoven with them then and it becomes easier to just sort of talk to them. Now, I don't know if it's actually that or if it's just like shutting the fuck up and learning to hear them. And maybe it was always easy. I I don't actually know. Um, But I do believe with, I do believe with angels, there is something about your, 
like they have a in my experience they have like a built-in ethics which i don't think most spirits do like i don't i've never been really judged much by saint cyprian like he kind of lets me like fuck up and go through my own thing and realize why i'm wrong but angels will be like but you're really like isn't this really the thing you're worried about? like there's this like seeing straight through and having no qualms with just like because they don't even seem to grok that it can be really like jarring or offensive to just like point out the root of your issue mm-hmm. um, it's really weird the experience i've had with them is they like they're very chill with stuff that it incarnate life looks really scary just like <laughs> yeah it'll be fine like what do you worry about i can see all of time and it's fine <laughs> <laughs> it's like like do you mean that I'll be fine? <laughs> or do you mean that it's in the end, it's all, yeah. everything's fine? Uh... And I don't know. And I, I, one of the warnings I heard about working with angels is the kind of like literalism thing. So it's like, if you ask them like, oh, I need proof of your existence, like, like clear total proof. And then you get like a car accident and you have a near-death experience and you meet them or something like that like that's something they would do because it's like well your spirit wasn't harmed and like you know the body's temporary anyway so like whatever Uh, (laughs) you got what you wanted (laughs) i uh i brought this up on another show i think on another episode but um uh somebody that i talked to that was in a group with one time said that they asked an angel for more time to do magic and then their partner had an abort or a a, a miscarriage oh god Mm. and they were like oh wait i didn't i didn't want that and then they felt all this remorse and like actually all i really want is a family and then she immediately like the next month was pregnant again and then he didn't have any qualms about being a dad because he'd just like gone through that experience and like burned off all the the doubt and the like feelings of maybe I want to be doing these other things and maybe it'll hold me back if I have a kid mm-hmm. just all went away. And then he had this beautiful family. <laughs> I was like, whoa, yeah, okay. It's, it's kind of like asking, uh, what's a polite way to say autistic? Uh, because that's kind of what it feels like um i get what you're getting at yeah like they they don't really kind of get the incarnate life thing it's like like they kind of know everyone is like fine in the end and like it's kind of like there's a quote from promethea which i know people have like a lot of people that have like quibbles about it but uh to angels all beings are angels Mm. um and it's kind of they they view everything as like a messenger of the divine and so like like themselves so mm-hmm. it's like when a human like comes to them it's like oh you this is a message from the divine like like clearly like <laughs> um oh that's a scary thought yeah <laughs> so i i've heard like be really careful with their wording around them um and they 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 certainly do like caution you against like doing certain things and like but yeah, I feel like there's it's that the sense of like seeing the world as you are kind of thing also kind of applies to them. <laughs> it's really interesting. That would make sense to me. I, there's like a, a scene in Promethea where there's like um, 
they meet like they go to the cliff off of uh, Gabura and they meet like this demon king and like the angel come an angel comes to rescue them it's like don't worry the demon king's a messenger of god too and and the demon king said well i think the angels are running some kind of scam because that's what i'd be doing (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah like seeing the world as you are kind of thing this like kind of infinite reflection and all the like the beat the ender's net of jewels Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah, that makes that makes total sense to me. And so I think maybe it's I'm just making this up on the spot. So if I'm full of crap or whatever, like that's entirely a possibility. But it's like maybe like getting entangled with the angels is like seeing the angelic in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and like kind of seeing those elements in you and then that kind of mirrors out with these beings. <laughs> I definitely I think there's something to that. I for sure. Um, I think there's also something to the like uh, being so literal that you can almost put in weird like like I, I feel like they they the ones that I work with understand me now whereas because I've I've explained like no I'm sarcastic like I'm I'm absurdist I'm sarcastic using words that like set up and it, it's again like almost circuit board stuff where it's like now they understand that sometimes this tone means this mm-hmm. and that I am oh okay we can place you in the, this archetype and run it through that filter and now we understand your language mm-hmm. it's just like an altering of like what the language is being interpreted as one of my favorite things written on angels ever was your blog post about working with them um like the uh very strange friends it takes a while to get to know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think about that one a lot when I think about them because there's there's definitely like a um like dealing with a non-human intelligence that like is basically well-meaning but like doesn't quite get it (laughs) yeah it's the it's the it's the uh it's the it's the inversion of a dog yeah (laughs) that's a that's a perfect way to put it like (laughs) it's interesting because like what what represents like the the helpful figures that are uh in the underworld are usually dogs dogs Mm -hmm. and like that's such a close one of the, the like the closest related like the most integrated being on earth i think with humanity Mm-hmm. there's something I, going on there well like I, when i work with angels i get like dead birds everywhere i'm like are you guys like yeah. doing this like it's like god yeah i don't i i i don't know what that is but it's so it is such a thing i don't know why but yeah well, there was one that i got which i wish i had taken a picture of this because it was just too perfect it was also kind of gruesome but it was like a pigeon or a dove or something like that got the entire middle part of it eaten by an owl or some other like bird of prey and so there was just these two white wings on the ground like looking like angel wings side by side with the bird missing well <laughs> just like like come on like <laughs> i don't like i don't even know what to do with that i was like did, did you are you just directing me to this or is this like do you do you kill birds to like show 
that you're in contact? Like, how does this work? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I remember that came up with one of our friends, but it ended up not being, I don't think it was angels. I think it was more watery uh, type stuff. Something about territory. Mm. No, I, I, I had them. I had, a, I had, a de- had dead birds with angel stuff for sure. You did too. Yeah. I don't think I remember that. I opened my car door one time. There's like a dead bird right there, <laughs> doing a lot of angel stuff. <laughs> I had. Like, it's some shit like messing with me when we lived in Germany. Like I just knew something was kind of on me, you know. Like I'm like I don't feel right. Um, mm-hmm. All my thoughts are too scattered. And, and I'm like, oh, what should I do about this? And I was walking uh, to this building, to this place downtown. I think I was doing something with integration that day. And like saw a beheaded bird. Mm-hmm. And then like within the next block, I found one playing card and picked it up. And it was uh, it was like the the um the playing card that in my system represents like either some kind of sacrifice or doing magic. And I'm like, you're telling me to do the headless, right? Interesting. (laughs) Okay, cool. uh, God, I, the craziest angel sinks I ever had was like, I almost caused a car accident. (laughs) It was, so um god i i found this like um this like earring that looked like an angel wing and then and i was like okay you know um once is chance twice is coincidence third time is enemy action right um not enemy in this case but and then someone else was like made like the does not use this language normally was like you can be an angel and i was like what (laughs) what did you say and then i had to go do this thing in a part of the city i don't really normally go to and i drove past a billboard that i swear to god said be not afraid (laughs) and i i I literally like almost (laughs) braked and took a picture i wish i had a picture of it because it was just like so unreal (laughs) like that chain of events I I do not know why someone put that on their billboard, but apparently at least part of it was for me. <laughs> um, That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> and they've been quiet for a while since then. Cause like I've asked myself before, like, you know, I just like reading into things like, you know, the, the questions you get when these get these big sinks where it's like, Oh, I'm just like paying attention to it or something. But then you get stuff like, I don't listen to the radio in my car. Like I change it to like Bluetooth right away. And it's like, but there's like a little section where I like, I'm on the radio before I switch to Bluetooth. And I went out to run an errand, just like pick up food. And literally both times I turned my car on, someone was talking about angels. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like 10 seconds of total time. Um, yeah so I don't know like they've been like pretty quiet since then and so I can definitely notice the kind of like ebbs and flows where it's like are they talking to me versus are they not talking to me um because it really lights up a lot and like even though I am looking for those type of like spirit things like sometimes it's just like it's there and sometimes it's not 
Yeah, I've I've, I've noticed uh, in like the past year as like there's something that happens if as like uh, sort of uh, like doubt like becomes less and less about like when I say this they're here mm-hmm. uh, that it's almost like they they stop giving sinks when you stop needing them to reinforce the belief yeah because uh, it, it's just like a, it seems like it's probably just a lot of effort to make them happen on the other end mm-hmm. and uh and once you just kind of get into a swing they kind of like back off but i think that's when contact is the best is when the sinks kind of drop off to be mm-hmm. honest at least with at least that's my experience with angels i'm not saying that with like spirits in general necessarily mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I am. Um, I need to get back into angel work, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, I I actually do kind of like the guardrail thing, um, like the kind of like ethics limits that they put on stuff, because mm-hmm. like, um, like I know there are a lot of people out there that practice magic that it's like, so I want this shiny new car, and it's like, well, what if the shiny new car is not good for you? It's like, no, I don't care. I want the shiny new car, and. I kind of, I, I don't really do stuff that way. Like I definitely kind of like the, you know, give me this or give me something else that's even better for me. Um, just kind of like throwing it out into like the sea of potential. Um, like I think that, like obviously I, I have used magic for like specific things, but I, I try to leave that like door open to like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I shouldn't poison the water with the packs that, makes everybody peaceful (laughs) i'm i'm totally into spirits that i can trust and that doesn't mean like implicitly and in all ways but um like trust to carry out the arrangement that we have or carry out or to be to be who i know them to be or whatever um and in the case of angels like that's always been kind of i've i've noticed that they're i mean i've had i've uh I've had them tell on someone else before when I was in a group work, like a, you know, a, a, a internet call working where they were like, they're, they're doing the wrong angel. Like they, they, they're, this is not my name. Like, it was like actually, intentionally? Like, no, no. Like they, they just oh. were like letting, it wasn't even me. It was my, my wife, but like letting her know, like, she was like, uh, I think this, this is for you that they're saying like, it's not I'm saying it's not my name. It's not my name. I'm like, so like there's this total like uh no actually uh kind of thing going on where and they've done that before to me too with my intentions of like when I go to ask for so it's like before I have the chance to ask, I've been told before, like, are you sure? Like, and then I'm like, oh maybe hang on (laughs) think about it for a minute and be like okay maybe i'm not maybe i'll maybe i'll stop for a minute when the person who's like seeing time from a different angle tells me are you sure Uh, yeah that's a that's a really helpful thing i i've actually been locked out of an intention before hmm. um like usually i can get like um kind of general sense of what's happening with the person when they do an intention um, but there was one where somebody was like um, messing with some really dark stuff. And 
I, it was just a blank. Like there was just nothing I could sense. Like I just, I couldn't get a picture of it. I couldn't get anything. Um, and it was just like, you stay out of this. <laughs> huh. Huh. Well, that's nice to have that kind of backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, I got to get back into it with them. I think that's, uh, that'd be really helpful. And I am, um, no, I've also had like, um, I've had saints do similar things where they just like, not every saint, but like I've had saints like not show up for me uh, when I was asking for something that wasn't like the thing I needed at that time to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've also had ones I could count on not show up when I was in deep shit because they knew I needed to learn how to get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, through that overcame a lot of fear of, like, when everything's going wrong, I don't, like, panic anymore. Because mm-hmm. uh, St. Cyprian was like, no, I'm going to let you figure it out on your own. And then, like, once I've fixed it and got out of got myself out of the situation he just like shows up you know like proud mm-hmm. it's like yeah fucking okay <laughs> yeah i feel like i oh god i lost my train of thought um dang we covered a lot of ground today <laughs> yeah yeah we should probably call it. it's almost three hours i want to tell you a, a michael story real quick though like oh yeah as, go for it uh so I had, back when I was, uh, I hadn't moved to Denmark, uh, I hadn't moved here permanently yet, and I was still in Ohio, and I was, like, planning this micro-working and had a good election that I, like, consulted someone about, and um, and then someone I hadn't talked to in a few years contacted me, and, like, I was supposed to do that Michael election that Sunday, mm-hmm. and they were like, well, I have, like, some miles stacked up, like, I'm happy to fly you over here and I was like where are you and it's like I think it was Maryland Maine Mm. uh but it's he's like it's called St. Michael's and I'm like okay cool so I don't have to worry about missing the working I have to figure out how to do it there uh because I was definitely gonna go see this friend either way but I was like okay this is strange um and then he happened to work that morning for a few hours. Uh, so I did it there at the guy's house where he was renting a room while he's staying there, whose name is Michael. Hmm. <laughs> it was just, and he was like down the street from a fire station. <laughs> I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it was, oh my God. Yeah, like I didn't plan on, yeah, set the date and then like everything else embedded it like deeper and deeper into Michael's zone. Just it was fun. Mm-hmm. Man, Mike, Michael like, um, Michael like scares me a bit, to be honest. Like I, I try to, I know he's there when I need him, but I kind of, it's not a normal one for me. <laughs> it's, I'm really comfortable with him. But like when I did the, uh, if you do the like the Shimham Fresh thing where you figure out which one is your physical guardian, like Michael, it, Michael is my physical guardian out of the show. That's awesome. Like, so I was like, oh, is that why we have such a thing? Because it's a weird relationship where I see him as this like 
goody two shoes boy scout that i kind of like sneer at every once in a while but have this also on utmost respect for in, in this weird way it's like because like some part of me i think it's i think it's the uh mars cat placement that makes me like him you know like oh. where i like look up to him uh but i also will never be that fucking pure and i and i wouldn't want to be but i also think it's like a beautiful thing uh i don't know it's a yeah. good spirit to work with yeah, Kurt, sorry, we were just talking about uh, wrapping up here. We really covered all the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's nearing three hours. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, probably. Yeah, sorry for, like, I had a lot of fun. Thank you. It was great. No, I hope we didn't take too much of your time. I'm No, just... it's totally good. I, I have somewhere to be in, like, an hour, but, like, no, I'm I'm totally good. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do now, but it's, it's not going to be in front of a screen for a little well, while. Well, isn't, like... <laughs> Aren't you like at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night there? It's 11, yeah. Yeah. No, this was great, guys. I, um, I'm i sorry. I've been kind of in and out. I, I um, uh, Like I said, with the move and all that and trying to get everything sorted here. So, No, believe me, I, I 100% understand. <laughs> Kurt's done half the podcast in the middle of moving. So, Oh, yeah. geez, yeah. Like half yeah. all of our episodes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, and as we end, uh, if, if you don't mind hanging out for like just a minute, there's another thing I want to ask you off air. But oh yeah, absolutely, sure. It's awesome. about your dick. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, do you have one. any? Do you have any pictures that you? Could... <laughs> <laughs> I had to make one shitty lowbrow joke because we managed. Well, well, I, I like to, you know, I, I I email them to people normally, so you know, I'll, uh... classy. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I have this email address that you know is like completely anonymous and you know i think people like that it's like a nice surprise no i'm kidding cool. please edit this out <laughs> okay i'll stop it right after i say dick joke. <laughs> <laughs>